Hello, everybody. This is Joshua. You picking that up? Yeah, I'm picking it up. I'm trying to do an intro here. Can I start it over again? You know what? Please don't. What you just did felt like 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Who knew 2020 could be so perfectly summarized? (sighs) Okay, let me let me let me let me try to to tune 2020 out and 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 redo this. Can you auto tune 2020 out? Oh shit. Let's try. Let's try to auto-tune this. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, my business partner. Now for four going on five years of this podcast, the good Mr. Jason <laughs> Johnston Yellen. Hello. Hello. Happy Festivus. All right. You're feeling that cranky. <laughs> Are you about to air some grievances? Is that was that like a little nod to oh, here it comes? I thought Happy Festivus was a nice thing to see. But isn't Festivus all about airing grievances and doing feats of strength, which sounds like wrestling and beating people up? And <laughs> let me just say, we celebrate Festivus in very different ways, very different ways. <laughs> <laughs> As you drink what looks like your own urine from a mason jar. It's pink. Why would my own urine be pink? Your urine isn't pink when you wake up in the morning. Wow, I mean, gosh, we celebrate festivals differently. Our morning, morning urine is different. Wow. wow. I'm starting to think we're two different people who live in two different worlds. I'm starting to think your kidneys are bleeding on the inside. <laughs> Let he whose kidneys have not bled cast the first stone. Cast the first kidney stone. <laughs> there you go. Well done. Well done. Uh, you salvaged uh, that. So here we are recording on what I consider our vacation. It it basically is. I mean, I, I will have some work to be, there will be work to be had between the Christmas and New Year's for me. There always is. I never turn work off, but this is as down as downtime gets for me. I mean, I, I worked on Christmas Day just a little bit, but I worked on Christmas Day. But I, th- I feel like you do that just so you can say I worked on Christmas Day. I don't think you had to work on Christmas Day. That's correct. I didn't have to work, <laughs> but but I did. <laughs> the backpedaling here is very impressive. Very <laughs> impressive. Uh, well, I was... Can, yeah, go ahead. Can I ask you a question? You may. Do you think we're releasing too much whiskey? As an industry, didn't we answer that question <laughs> in in the final episode of of Extra Extra, the final first season episode? I feel like we started to frame it, but I I didn't feel like we gave a thorough answer on it, which is classic, right? We had a double episode. We spent the first fifteen minutes kind of mm-hmm. recounting the. The uh, the FET, you mm-hmm. know me. Mm-hmm. And then we said, this looks like it's going to go through. This looks like good news here. Uh-huh. It's tied to this very large COVID stimulus bill. Uh-huh. And then the president didn't sign it. And, and here we are recording on the 28th. Uh-huh. He, he signed it on the 27th yeah. after people lost their unemployment benefits. And so... 
And so, you know, that's a week since we recorded that episode. And it was two weeks since we recorded the episode before it. Gosh, it, that, that little story is still going on. Anyway, that's not what I wanted to turn our attention to. Mm-hmm. We then spent three quarters of the, the double episode <laughs> identifying the article and reading the point-counterpoint. And then we got to the end and we kind of tried to rush the answer to it. And so I just wanted to take a moment to start one niche under whiskey okay. to just stretch. Because I think it is a good question about 2020, mm-hmm. which I think applies to 2019, to 2018. But here we are in 2020. As we reflect on this year, mm-hmm. put a few more leaves on the branches of the question. Is the industry releasing too much whiskey? Well, I feel as if I answered the question somewhat thoroughly on that episode. My answer was that no, we're not releasing too much whiskey, that we should probably be releasing more whiskey to meet the demand. I think that there's enough demand that more whiskey can be released. There's a reason why age statements are going away. So maybe I didn't get to answer the question. That's correct. And you you felt you felt uh, cheated. Cheated. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't think of the word. You felt cheated. You you couldn't give your question your answer to the question. So what's your answer, Jason? I think the answer is yes. And and why? Show us your work. <laughs> 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 but, but but here's the thing. Yours is yours is no with a but. And then you go on to say, you know, maybe release some different things. And mine is a yes with a but, which is maybe release some different things. And so <laughs> and, and so for for me, there's a lot of whiskey out there. There's no doubt about that. And we're seeing, you know, more distilleries come online, more offerings, obviously more independent bottlers being born. And this this is something you and I have, have discussed on, on various uh, episodes of our of our um, podcast network, mm-hmm. I like to call it, where as independent bottlers who are offered a series of parcels, mm-hmm. We're seeing the same whiskies coming out from independent bottlers. Sure, Our, ourselves included. I'm, I'm not pointing fingers here. I'm including us in this. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and when you see a rake of unnamed Orkney whiskey at a certain age and at a certain ABV, we can say, "Oh, I know which parcel that's from. Uh, I know mm-hmm. I know who was selling that, mm-hmm. and I know how much it cost." Mm-hmm. And so for independent bottlers who are, you know, bringing whiskey in one door, bottling it, and then sending it out the other door off to retailers, I don't think we're doing the industry a service when we keep repackaging the same parcels. And so that's an area where I would say there's just too much whiskey there, right? That doesn't all need to be going out the door Mm -hmm. at the same time. You are 100% Correct there. I don't necessarily think, however, that it means there's too much whiskey. I think the manner in which it's being released makes it appear as if there's too much. 
Well, there's clearly too much of that whiskey. Yes, right? yes, 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 yes. That whiskey that you can identify. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also in a funny position in 2020 where I think we've suddenly walked into a world where there's too much Lagavulin being released. And and if you'd asked me, maybe not last year, but maybe if you'd asked me in 2018, certainly in 2016, definitely in 2014, if you'd asked me, is there too much Lagavulin in the world? I would have said, absolutely not. We need much, much more Lagavulin. Uh The problem is you're either seeing the very old Lagavulin at very high pricing, Mm -hmm. or you're seeing the eight-year-old and the nine-year-old and the 10-year-old and the 11-year-old that are are coming out under different uh, liveries, Mm -hmm. uh, under different packaging, mm-hmm. right? The the eight-year-old, which, as you know, because you, you helped get it to me, I picked up 13 bottles mm-hmm. of the, the Lagavulin 8 this year um, when I, it was in Massachusetts for, I think, $40 a bottle, um, which at 48% for that eight-year-old is a, is a yeah, cracking, yeah, cracking fantastic price. price. Great juice. Yeah. Right, really cracking. So you've got the eight-year-old part of the standard release. You've got the nine-year-old which is the Game of Thrones. And you mentioned the Game of Thrones series in the Extra Extra episode. Mm-hmm. Where and that was we're my now, butt. Yeah, that was my right, butt. Right, right. Yeah. And we're seeing that nine-year-old in some places for $25 a bottle. And that's 46% alcohol. Mm-hmm. That's that's really, that's a good price on that. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're seeing the 10-year-old that's travel retail, mm-hmm. which <laughs> if you can remember such a, thing as travel retail, do you, which I think is maybe 43%. You are uh, correct. Yeah, 43% okay. in drinks like a champ of 43 in my opinion. Right, right. Yeah. And we tasted that at the distillery at the Fashil mm-hmm. last year in 2019. Because mm-hmm. we definitely went there in 2020. <laughs> and so, so, so there's your 10-year-old that goes into travel retail. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the 11-year-old, which is the Offerman. Mm-hmm. And that Offerman kind of moves around in price. And then, and then <laughs> let's keep going with this. You've got the twelve-year-old, which is the annual release from Lagavulin. Yeah, and this is can, can I can speaking of really quickly. Just I just want to put a pin in what you're talking about. If we are to celebrate Festivus correctly, I'm going to air a grievance here. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in later for the wrestling scene. <laughs> <laughs> because the 11 year old, the Nick Offerman one, what was that bottled at? Was that 46 or 48? Maybe 43. Yes. So somewhere around there, right? <laughs> yes to the question. Low, low to mid 40s, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And I've seen pricing as low as $38 a bottle and as high as maybe 65 ish, 70 ish dollars a bottle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For an 11-year-old that I think is all ex-bourbon, here's where the grievance begins. Okay. Kick up the year by one to a 12-year-old and put it out at cask strength, and we go from an 11-year-old at, I'm guessing proper pricing, somewhere around $65-ish, to a 12-year-old at full strength at 160 Dollars. That is just too much of a jump, I think, for for anybody. Well, and what's interesting about the pricing on it is you you were saying you know I've seen it as what was the as low as that you've seen it thirty? Did you say thirty eight dollars? 
Okay, because I've never seen it lower than 65. And and I did a quick Google search here mm-hmm. and I found it for $125. And I found it for $90. And I found it for $100. <laughs> like, apparently there's <laughs> there's a very big window mm. um, for, for the Offerman release. The thing I was trying to do and it really all, it surprises me when somebody has an online store and they don't tell you the ABV of the bottle that you're trying to buy from them. And so I'm actually zooming, oh gosh, I'm zooming in on a picture of it and the ABV is round the corner <laughs> on the label. I, I would let you know okay. what the ABV was if I had, had a bottle, but I, um, I don't have a bottle. And me neither. And it's one that I would love to have a bottle of. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you see one for thirty eight, please pick it up for me. I will. I um, will do. I, I don't know why I passed on it. Do <laughs> what I saw it for thirty eight. <laughs> like you just buy bottles at that price, and no. So here it is. Here forty six percent ABV. And it also looks like as it's starting to sell out, that's causing a little bit of this roller coaster in Could pricing. Be. Could be. Yeah. But but. To the, to the larger point here, we now have 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, and 12-year-old Lagavulin, all available from Diageo. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of Lagavulin. And again, back to this question about 2020, are we releasing too much whiskey as an industry? If you can do five separate age statements from 8 to 12, that might be too much whiskey. That might be asking too much of the consumer. To, to keep chasing. And that's only one distillery. Yeah. Think about how that plays out through Scotland, into world whiskies, into American craft, into American bourbon, and then into non-whiskey spirits, which but, is a separate question. But, but think about potentially why they're releasing these whiskies. Mm-hmm. Go on. For the for the Game of Thrones, it's obvious this is potentially a new market for them. They, they want the geek market. They want th- those consumers. For the Offerman one, they're interested in the people who liked parks and recs and comedy and, right, it's just another pocket of people. Offer them something different. Give them uh, a gateway whiskey. And we do the same thing, right? We, we've done bottlings with Hello from the Magic Tavern, Right, that was a collaboration. Mm-hmm. We collaborate with Whistlepig with Balcones. We have a collaboration that <laughs> I would love to release in 2021, but COVID may see it as a 2022 collaboration. It will likely be the biggest collaboration you and I have done to date, and potentially the biggest one we could ever do. Who knows? Um, my point is that. What they're doing with these whiskeys is just looking for other consumers, new consumers. And how do you bring it in? How do you bring them in? You bring them in through other things that they're passionate about. But I, I think that's a, a very, I think that's a lovely nuanced response. But I think it's so striking that we can ask the question, are we releasing too much whiskey as an industry? And, and you and I never, we never play devil's advocate with any of these questions. We never, in, in pre-production, say, okay, you take the yes side, I'll take the no side, and, <laughs> and we'll run it, right? Yeah. We only ever 
discuss this as we would discuss it two guys having a mm -hmm. dram together mm -hmm. and it's so interesting to me that we can ask that question have a yes but and a no but and essentially say the same thing to one another because for me where's where's the official Glen Elgin you know where's where's bring me more Dal Ewan um bring me more Tormor bring me more Aberfeldy which Bacardi are working on right Let's let's go and explore Scotland's distilleries, mm -hmm. and let's bring out more from the ones we don't know anything about. And like and that. and I think when I hear when I hear that question, and and this is this is why I think your answer was so smart. When I hear that question, I only think to answer it as a whiskey geek, and as a whiskey geek, I'm saying yes, we're releasing too much whiskey but I would love to see some from the lesser known distilleries. Mm -hmm. And I think with that nuance that you brought to it, you were, you were answering it as, as an industry member and saying, but you, you got to think about building your brand, expanding your brand, finding new audiences, mm -hmm. right? And you go and find the geeks and you go and find those who love comedy and you go and find these other ones over here. And I, and I, I think that's a, a fine way to answer the question. I'm just left as a whiskey geek saying, who's looking after me, right? And, and, I, and I know I am being looked after. Christ, I'm, I'm not hurting for whiskey as this year's Zooms have <laughs> revealed, right? Neither one of us are hurting for whiskey and there's always something new we could be buying on any given Shelves day. Shelves are so bare. <laughs> Show. Can you hear the echo? It's just the echo from these bare shelves as I talk. <laughs> and so, yes, and so I am being taken care of. However, and I just had this conversation over the weekend. When you and I bring out our Glen Elgin, right? We just had the second release mm -hmm. uh, for the UK, Europe, and rest of the world. Um, our beloved Jess got to turn cartwheels in the Glasgow streets <laughs> because I actually made it to store shelves in the UK yep. and the Imperial sold out and the Clinlish sold out and the, the bourbon is moving. Lovely, lovely. The Glenelgin, right? It's, I don't want to say sitting there, but we put out a lot of Glenelgin because you and I like the Glenelgin Glen distillery. Yeah. Yep. And... You know, as, as far as we know, as far as we understand, there might be one official bottling of Glenelgin in the UK. But if you keep your eyes and ears open, you'll see it coming out from independent bottlers. Mm -hmm. And so here's us saying, here, pick up a Glenelgin. Pick up a Glenelgin. And the consumer says, I'll be taking your Imperial, thanks. I'll be taking your Clinlish, thanks. And we're like, don't, but don't forget the Glenelgin. It's yeah. a really good cask of Glenelgin. And the consumer, it's too easy for the consumer to say, I don't really know Glenelgin. And so it, it would be it would be nice <laughs> if, you know, and independent bottlers yeah. have, have done heavy lifting for, for decades on different distilleries. It'd be nice if our job was just made that little bit easier by having another Glenelgin on the market, <laughs> and, you know, an official Glenelgin roaming around where consumers can build on that knowledge. So yeah. um, there we go. There we go. I'm, I'm happy to leave it there. I'm, I don't think you're going to do better than that lovely nuanced answer you gave us. So I, It's so funny. Just I know you want to leave it there, but as you were making that point about the Glenelgin, right, 
check out this mm-hmm. Glenelgan. Oh, that's that's oh, that's nice. You guys just released this uh, 24-year-old Imperial. I'll be having that. Thank you very much. Um, you know, and all these other uh, more notice, noticeable names or recognizable names, bigger names, whatever it might be. Meanwhile, we're saying, yeah, but this one's really good. <laughs> and and it and this I, I don't know that we'll keep this in the podcast, but it just makes me think back to the primaries uh, earlier this year. There were so many people running for the Democratic ticket. And Elizabeth Warren would come out, and so many people would say, "Yeah, but she's not she's not electable." And supporters of her would simply say, "Well, she is electable if you vote for her, <laughs> right?" Like right. it's just the same with the Glen Elgin. No, it it actually is really good. You just have to give it a go, <laughs> right? It's just yeah, yeah. yeah no, nobody buys Glen Elgin. Well, how much Glen Elgin is for sale? <laughs> well. Well, no, nobody buys it. Yeah, but if you made it for sale, people might be able to buy it. Uh-huh. Yeah, but nobody buys it. Uh-huh. But they don't buy it because it's not for sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we you shall say, see. And then you say, oh, here's one for sale. And they say, all right. Oh, look at that Imperial. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, 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 anyway. Do you, do, anyway. You, do you feel better now that you're able to, to make your point? To make your argument, I do. I I definitely do. But I'm also glad that I, I you were able to have a chance to to build upon your point as mm-hmm. well. Because I, I felt like after 62 minutes and 52 seconds, um, it felt like we got out with rushed answers. And I felt I've now I now feel like you and I have had a chance to stretch our legs Good. within the answer to that question. I also wanted to make it clear that your no but and my yes but were not just coming from contrarian positions, but instead were you know, genuinely held thoughts and mm. positions about mm-hmm. that, that yeah. question. No, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you you brought that up, but I do want to get back to the format of our regularly scheduled episode. And so, if you're a new listener. Welcome to our our year end recap episode, and if you uh, if you've listened to the previous three year end reviews, welcome back. We're glad to have you. So in this episode, you and I, Jason, we we have a few signposts along the way, and these signposts are you and I recognizing our favorite whiskey of the year, right? Yes, sir. You and I recognizing. And that's non-single-cast nation whiskey of the year. You and I recognizing <laughs> our favorite s- single-cast nation whiskey of the year. So our, the bottling that, that you most loved and the bottling that I most loved. And then we always throw in a wild card, which could be a whiskey. It may not be a whiskey. And then orbiting those three selections, there might be some honorable mentions in those, you know, differing categories and then you and i look back at what were our favorite episodes of the year so we'll discuss those and then i had and this is this is new for 2020 i have a little bit of a wrinkle a little bit of a question i want to throw in there (laughs) get some moisturizing (laughs) (laughs) and and we i don't 
I don't think I've asked this before, at least not in this context. So I'm looking forward to asking that question a bit later. But we, all right, you and I I'm are curious to see if you remember to ask it. I know. I'm, I'm afraid I may forget. I may, I'm afraid <laughs> that I have forgotten the question altogether because I can't think of, of what it is right now. Um, <laughs> uh, well, and, and, and somewhat traditionally in these year in review episodes, we've, we've cast an eye back over the year and discussed what has surprised us. And, and I think the world coming to the, the brink of, of being snuffed out was quite surprising this year. Well, there's that. But before we get too morbid, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> yeah, that's that is a thing. It was that a thing. is the thing a that thing. happened in 2020. Right? Yeah, and will continue to happen in 2021. But let's keep it up. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, if we're going to have discussions like this, we may as well pour a whiskey. I haven't poured a whiskey, <laughs> and I oh yeah, I did a big pour, big pour. Yeah, so. Uh, which whiskey did you pour? Did you pour your favorite SCN, your favorite non-SCN, or your wild card? I started with SCN. Okay, I'm going to pour my favorite. And to, to paint a picture for the listener, I have poured it into my Joshua Half Heart Glencairn from Travis Williams, which ah. came in this year. That was an incredibly kind gift. From Travis, the other Glen Cairn, says what it is, what we do, that we do, which really harkens back to, to our early days of pad costing before it was even a pad cost. And so, and anytime, anytime I see this Joshua glass, this mm-hmm. Joshua Glen Cairn, I end up filling it with a hat and pour. It's subliminal. I can't help myself. <laughs> my eyes are reading Joshua and my hands are thinking hat and pour. I'm pouring my whiskey, as you know, into my Jason glass. <laughs> and my, my fear is I may pour a Johnston pour, which is not, I mean, it's very, <laughs> very scant. It's not a lot. I'm going to have to go a little heavy. How heavy-handed. dare you, sir? How dare you? Hey, I'm not the one who doesn't know how to pour a glass of whiskey. <laughs> I tell you what, though, having having my hat and pour in here and swirling this around the Glencairn, the oils on this are absolutely killer, and I'm going quite high on the Glencairn here. Um, I'm used to our little spade ram glass. I, mm-hmm. I love drinking from our our single cast nation spade rams, and and we do. We have the nation are calling out for merchandise. We have not forgotten. Uh, we are definitely hearing you. Our our very own Jess Lomas reminds us in our weekly meetings that we need more merchandise. Let's say it's coming in 2021 and then see if we fulfill that promise. But go. going high on the high on the sides here. I'm really getting great oil coverage. So what is your criteria for the best whiskey? Why did you Let's let's discuss the criteria, and then let's reveal the whiskey. How's that? So, what what yeah, was your criteria? Yeah, I think when I tell you my criteria, I think you're going to guess the whiskey. Oh shit! <laughs> and and then, you know, I'm happy for that to happen. Okay. I'm okay with that. Okay. So, one of the great difficulties 
in us selecting our favorite SCN from the year mm-hmm. is, and, and we've said this many, many times in, in many different places, it really is like choosing your favorite child. Yeah. Where we have tasted every cask that becomes a single cask nation release. Mm-hmm. We have selected every cask that becomes a single cast nation release. Every drop that goes into bottle, that goes out to the nation, whether they be in the United States or they be overseas, has been tested, tasted, challenged, mm-hmm. adjudicated. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. By us. Mm-hmm. By us. And so to say this is the one of the year is a little disingenuous. It's it's hard to say this one cask stands head and shoulders above all other casks. It, it's just not true. It's just not how we how we run the business, how we make our selections. So so for me, I'm I'm not just um, I'm just I'm not just making my selection based on flavor. Because I think they all taste really great for a host of different reasons. Okay, so far uh, I agree with yeah. everything you're saying, <laughs> and and yeah, please please continue. It's it's making me think like we may have selected the same whiskey. I don't. I still don't think we have. Okay. And so when I start thinking about my SCN pick of the year, I start thinking about the distillery. Mm-hmm. From whence it came, mm-hmm. I start thinking about how that distillery sits with me hmm. in particular. And and beyond that, I start thinking about how this distillery sits with the nation. And for me, this selection, this cask, did something that, that I was very, very proud pleased about okay and and a little surprised by not not hugely surprised but a little surprised by and then for me the clincher was we have a lot of samples come in from scotland come in from across the united states um come in from india come in from wales Mm -hmm. and and we're always moving on to the next sample okay that cask has been selected now it's going to be bottled. Mm-hmm. We move on to the next cask. We move on to the next sample. We move on to the next selection. And our eyes are always pointing down the road yeah. into the future. And there was a, a, a rather large time difference between us selecting this cask mm-hmm. to us bottling this cask mm-hmm. to us importing this cask to us releasing this cask. Mm-hmm. And during that extended time period, I kept dipping back into my sample of it. And I dipped again, and I dipped again, and I dipped again. And by the time we released this cask, Mm -hmm. I had an empty sample bottle of this whiskey. Oh, interesting. Okay, so just something you, you couldn't get it out of your mind. You had to keep on getting it across the palate. Okay. Exactly. Okay, okay. Okay. I, I, I don't know what it is, though I, I do remember, I do recall mm-hmm. you showing me a sample bottle and saying, I just, <laughs> I just, I keep, 
I keep coming back mm-hmm. to this. I'm going through it, and mm-hmm. and I rem- well, I don't know if there was more than one, but I do recall you saying that. I just don't recall what it was. So so let me put some more leaves on the branches, okay. Okay. and you know you're, you're welcome. To, you'll guess this any second, but I, I I want I like making this clear to the nation, and to the the listeners of the podcast. Mm-hmm. This distillery came online only a few decades ago. And and in coming online, mm-hmm. it instantly became near and dear to my heart because I of know its what it geography. Is. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you and I launched Single Cast Nation with a cask from this distillery, mm-hmm. it was very special to me. Yeah. And gave me a chance to start telling Americans, because that's where the, the, the company was born, and, and that's you know who we visited with when we went out and did our tastings. I was able to say, I grew up across the water from where this distillery <laughs> was built and opened. And this year, when we released our third cask from this distillery... It sold out mm. in minutes, absolute yeah. minutes. And the fact that our nation has a soft spot for this distillery mm-hmm. that I most definitely have a soft spot for, it felt absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely yep. wonderful. The fact that it was nine years old, in first fill bourbon barrel. Mm. Unfortunately, we only had just a hair over 200 bottles, which, which was a little little sad. Mm-hmm. And the, the truncated label note says, reminiscent of the distillery's 18-year-old, this offering is rich and malty, buttery and fruity, with a discernible coastal salinity mm. that serves to remind the drinker of its island genesis. That's a love. I, I know that those are your tasting notes. So go ahead and name it. That is our Aaron nine-year-old cask number eighty-eight. Cask eighty-eight. Just a a wonderful example of the distillery's offering. This, to me, is the platonic ideal mm-hmm. of the Aaron distillate. Yep. Yep. I, I, I love that. It's, it talks to some of the things that we tried to do, right? The, the job of an independent bottler quite often is to show you a side of a distillery that you wouldn't normally get to see because of the distillery's own bottlings. They, they go in a different way flavor-wise. However, this says, hey guys, this is what this nine-year-old says, hey, guys, this is what Aaron is all about. This is their DNA, and this is why we love it. Yep. And to the point I was making earlier in the answering of the question, are we releasing too much whiskey as an industry, there's not a lot of Aaron out there, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of Aaron at this age, and there's not a lot of Aaron at this age in first fill bourbon barrels, and we are incredibly proud that we have a direct relationship with this distillery. Mm-hmm. We're one of only a few independent bottlers to whom they sell directly. Mm-hmm. And that, mean, that means the world, but also the fact that 
they've been with us since the inception of this company is is massive to me absolutely massive and, and i know it is to you too oh my gosh yes um, yep right absolutely massive but to have to have grown up looking at the isle of arran across the firth of clyde from ayrshire where i was born and raised and now to have this distillery that i that i feel exists within you know a corner an edge of my DNA mm. it's really special and really cool. So so you can see why when you ask me, you know, so what's your criteria here? It goes so far beyond texture, nose, palate, finish, and just spins out into uh, an entire world of whiskey. Mm. Uh, it, it just, it's, it's really very special to me. I'm actually going to get emotional if I keep talking. I will say this in terms of the rules, this was a 2020 release for us. Anybody who has this bottle, and it was sold to Single Cast Nation online, it was bottled August of 2019. That's what I was saying in my, in my build-up here. <laughs> we selected it and time passed. We bottled it and time passed. We imported it and time passed. It was a long way from getting into the bottle to getting released to members. And sometimes... That just happens. That's just the way the world works. Yes, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's very funny <clears throat> because my my bottling is somewhat similar story as far as <laughs> <laughs> when it was bottled. How, however, the the label in this case is is a bit incorrect, if I remember correctly. Right. So, so first off, I think that that is a phenomenal selection uh, for your favorite SCN or your SCN of the year. I am a bit surprised that it is an unpeated selection, given your mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, given you you kind of lean toward uh, towards peated, but it makes sense, right? I think your explanation makes perfect sense. So let me respond to that because you're at 100% spot on here. It would have been really easy to choose our nine-year-old Isla blend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been really easy to choose that one. And that that's a bottling that I most definitely reach for. But But even then, even still, it's not going to make it into my honorable mention. I I have another zig for my honorable mention, which I will come to after you tell okay. us. So my cri- my criteria, obviously, the whiskey has to be phenomenal, but but like you had said, everything we bottle is something that we have tasted, that we have selected. If it's in a single cast nation bottle, we've already approved of it. We already thought that it was amazing. So yeah. that's not yeah. even it's not even a criteria. That's not something that we should be considering. But with this one, I th- I think back to part of the reason we started an independent bottling company and part of the reason why we continue on as an independent bottler. Is especially from from the perspective of the whiskey geek, right? That's how we approach the company, from the perspective Mm -hmm. of a whiskey geek, from the perspective of someone who tastes something and says, oh my gosh, if you had this, you've got to give this a go, right? This is what a whiskey lover does. With this particular bottling, it gave us a chance to highlight 
a distillery and say, we love this cask, and not not just because it's a great cask, but because we love what this distillery does, and what a fine mm-hmm. example of what this distillery could produce. And if you've discovered this distillery through us, phenomenal. Go and try some of their own bottlings. We, mm-hmm. you know. I think that this is in part one of the reasons why distilleries will work with us directly because we're not just we're not just independent bottlers or we're whiskey people who say if you liked our whiskey from this distillery please go and buy their stuff that's mm-hmm. what it's about and so I didn't pick a scotch whiskey <laughs> for no, my favorite SCN what do you think I no, picked? You didn't. What do you think I picked? D- don't tell me if I'm right or not, because I do want to continue to hear the build-up. As I was telling you before we hit the record button, I've been thinking about my answers for a week. Yeah. And in thinking about my answers, I've been thinking about your potential answers. And so I'm I'm going to lay this down here. and I, I mm-hmm. It's now in your hand, and, and it's in your glass. I don't think you can change your selection to just to prove me wrong. But... Again, don't tell me if I'm correct yet. I think you picked Penderen. Mm-hmm. I think you picked the Grand Cru Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so continue with your build-up. Yeah, I, I will. <laughs> it's nice to be able to change people's minds or their perceptions about a category. One of one of a, a frustration that I've had for years is people will use the term scotch as a shorthand for single malt. Have you tried mm-hmm. the Japanese scotch? Have you tried mm-hmm. the American scotch? And it's mm-hmm. incredibly frustrating because the term, the original term, at least the, the one that we think of, is single malt scotch whiskey. Right? The, the, there's four different words there. Single malt doesn't necessarily mean it's whiskey produced in Scotland. It means that that single malt was produced in Scotland, but not all single malt is produced in Scotland. And so for for me, it's nice to be able to say, look, Scotland has made and continues to make some of the best whiskeys in the world. Please check it out. Other countries are following suit. And not only are they producing phenomenal single malts, but they're showing you single malt in a way that you've not experienced it before. And and like Chris Udy had said, you know, we've had him on the podcast. I mean, just the one time. But I think about this quite a lot. I think about world producers as increasing the flavor pie, as as adding flavors to the bouquet of flavors, different flowers to your bouquet, right? And I personally think Pendaren does a phenomenal job of this. And, and our yep. whiskey, I think, does everything I wanted a, our first Pandaren to do. The distillery DNA is there, but then we throw you the curveball of the Grand Cru Bordeaux. Yeah. This sold out lickety split. Right? Think, right. Think. It's, it's, it's the same idea as the Aaron, right? right? We have nation members who will sell out a Welsh single malt mm-hmm. in minutes. In minutes. And think about Pandaren's rise within the U.S. They came to the U.S. 
in the early earlier two thousands or or midish two thousands through through an importer, very large importer, that unfortunately was too big for them. So their massive launch into the U.S. unfortunately fizzled out, and it went away. But then it was reintroduced through Impex, and I'm not. This isn't a commercial for Impex, but my point is, yeah. it's a much smaller importer that can focus on the brand and and put us yeah. put the the spotlight on them that this distillery deserves. And and I love that we played a little part in that. And I wanted to read something to you. All right. We treat all of our distillery direct relationships as a collaboration, right? We even have our, our logo. It's the spirit of collaboration. It's not a one-way street where we're just buying casks and saying, hey, we've bought a great casks. It's a two-way street where we're saying, we want to work with you and show people why your whiskeys are so great. And we'll do it through Absolutely. the lens of a single cast nation bottling. And so Absolutely. the Pandaren relationship is a very new one to, to us and I'm very proud of it, uh, as I know you are. And, yep. and as, a Agreed, yep. as a thank you, we sent just... A handful of bottles to key people at the distillery. And we received an email from the CEO of the distillery. And I wanted to share this with you. And I wanted to share it with, with our listeners. So the, the, the subject just says, thank you. <laughs> classic, classic, classic Welsh, right? Classic. Right? Them with them with their thanks, and so so so. Stephen Davy says, Joshua, so thoughtful. Sorry, I need to increase this font here. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Come on, old man. I can't read. Put it on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get wow. my my spectacles out. Man, you might have to tighten that onion on your belt. (laughs) So Stephen says, Joshua, so thoughtful of you to send me a bottle of the Single Cast Nation bottling of Pandaren. It looks fantastic. I want to open it and drink it immediately and keep it and collect it in the same breath. (laughs) (laughs) What a dilemma. And this this is where it gets great. It says, I'm not given to sentimentality with single malts very often, with so many bottles passing through our hands, but you got me on this one. What can I say? To have Pandaren recognized in the U.S. through all the hard work of you, Chris and Sam, Chris and Sam being, you know, the owners of Impex, and the team at Impex gives huge satisfaction, and your independent bottling adds another layer of credibility and recognition. Enjoy the holiday season, and I hope to see you in person in 2021. Thank you, best Stephen. How lovely! How absolutely lovely is that email? <sighs> it's absolutely fucking amazing. <laughs> and as I said, with my Aaron, mm-hmm. right? If I keep talking about this Aaron, I'm going to get emotional. Mm-hmm. Listening to Stephen's email there yeah. is emotional. Right. That is absolutely remarkable that the CEO of Pindaren says, this really touches us. The yeah. way you guys 
did this. Yep. That's fucking hell, man. It, fucking cheers to that. Cheers, cheers to that indeed. And I and I do have to say, I selected Pendaren as my as my top ASCN pick before Stephen emailed me. <laughs> um, I, you know, when you said you had been thinking about this for a week, uh, to be honest with you, I've I've had this Pendaren pick as my top SCN for the past month, two months. I, right. I, I knew this was going to be your SCN of the year. I knew it. Every step of the way, this was going to be your pick of the oh, year. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, it, it was in the running for mine as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I don't want to say I, I picked Aaron because I knew you wouldn't, but knowing you were going to give Pendaren the, the light of day, I, I knew I could go with my pick mm-hmm. and not worry about Pendaren not being represented. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Christ, man. <laughs> I need to take a breath here. <sighs> yeah, just Gosh, go with Lamar. This is why... <laughs> right? I'm going to pass out in my office here. <laughs> this, this is why you and I do what we do, you know? Could also have picked the whistle pig, right? right. We, we yeah. interviewed... Pete Lynch, he, we put up his interview way back in January of this year. Mm-hmm. And as much as he's no longer with Whistlepig, he was a great guy. He was a great chat and he got what we were about. Exactly. And, yep. and the, the Whistlepig was a very special collaboration. <sighs> so to, 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 <laughs> to distance ourselves from this fucking emotional realm. Um, <laughs> Look at the... I, I, gonna, I, just, I just love how... how British, you got just not. I can't deal with these emotions right now. No, 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 push them down, push them down, and move on. Do not live in the emotional moment. That's mm-hmm. that's unhealthy. Um, I'm gonna bend the rules a little. Oh, snippety snap! <laughs> My honourable mention hmm. speaks to something that that we've both been saying through our selections of Aaron and Penderin here is. There's there's something that was a, a, a selection. There's a, there's a selection that that nearly knocked Aaron off the top spot for me, and hmm. it was it was brought back to my attention in the the Master of Malt single cask Advent calendar, which I know you don't have because I've just got too much stuff for you, and we are gonna have to drive. And, and meet at a halfway point. I'm just <laughs> not going to be able to get everything to you. Uh-huh. <sighs> so that's a thing that's going to happen. Um, but in, in the advent calendar, I was tasting through single cask after single cask. And it was it was really great to, to taste stuff from that boutique whiskey company. It was great to taste XOP uh, from Douglas Lang. Mm. I tell you, there was an absolutely cracking... English whiskey company selection from North Star that I'm probably going to source the bottle. I don't know if it's going to still be available, but I'm going to be sourcing the bottle for it. It was, it was very special. That's fantastic to hear. Right. And then, and then there was two of our selections in there, one of which was, was our blended malt that was the UK, Europe, rest of the world release. Mm-hmm. And then this other one that I'm going to make an honourable mention of because... It speaks to what you and I have spoken to in this podcast already. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost an unpronounceable distillery. It's 
almost <laughs> an unspellable distillery. If you walked up to a to a whiskey loving geek fan connoisseur, insert word here, mm-hmm. they may have tasted at best a few independently bottled releases uh-huh, uh-huh. from this distillery. And as I was resampling it through the Master of Malt single cask advent calendar, it turned my head. And one of the things that you and I will do at tastings when we used to travel and we used to have tastings in front of human beings, and as we said with the Aaron and as we said with the Pindaren, mm-hmm. it can be so long from the selecting of the cask yeah. to the release of the cask to the tasting and the sharing <laughs> of the cask that we almost forget what it was we selected. And we stand by our selections. We know it was a, a rigorous criteria through which it passed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it runs the gauntlet and it survives. I couldn't help but return to this selection. And and I don't have a bottle in front of me. I, I don't even have the little sample bottle from the advent calendar. It's downstairs. But it was our UK, Europe, rest of the world, Tianinic, mm. which I, I want to say was 13. Yeah. years old. Yep, 13. Yep. It's such a wonderful, bright, fruity, textured Tianinic. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fucking Tianinic, right? And it was part of our first release, which meant Jess and I poured it at Glasgow's Whiskey Festival November of 2019. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a cheat here, but we released so late in the year that we then ended up selling that bottling through 2020. It's Mm -hmm. why it made it into the 2020 advent calendar for Master of Malt single casks. And and it's why I think it's one that that would have turned heads, would have would have got attention in that arena. And it certainly caught my attention yeah. in that arena. And so, yes, I, I know some of our nation members did order from the UK. They did pick up that TNNIC. Um a, a chap that we mentioned on Extra Extra, David Feldner. I believe David Feldner picked mm-hmm. up that TNNIC uh, and brought it into the US. Mm-hmm. And that, to me... If we've talked about some of our US releases where something like the Milton Duff really mm. captured people's attention, mm-hmm. the Mac Duff really captured people's attention, the 20-year-old Glenbergie really captured people's attention. Here's one that went out overseas that I think would have caught people's attention, a Tianinic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, what an interesting cask to release in your very first UK, EU, Asia release, a Tianinic, a distillery that that no fucker has heard of. And if they've heard of it, they've probably said, I've never never had anything, so I'll just kind of move on. Um yeah, it's it again, it gets back to was it a great whiskey? Did we believe in it? Do we want to champion it? 
was it necessarily the smartest cask to release as a, hey, UK, Europe, rest of the world? Probably not, but it's we stuck to our guns of this is who we are and this is what we do. What it is, what we do, that we do. We release whiskeys that we fall in love with, and if it doesn't have a sexy name, it doesn't have a sexy name. Yeah. I don't disagree with anything you say there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's, that, it gets to the, the heart of the matter, right? You know, we, we love our, our good friend and, and my adoptive dad, Michael Nolan. <laughs> and we, we love his love for Glenn Burgie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's so wonderful to meet people. And, and, and we've mentioned this other guy before, Moscow Jim, Craig Ellicke. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I love, love, love when we encounter whiskey people and, and really count them as whiskey friends, mm-hmm. obviously, who just champion the unchampionable. Right. Like when, when you leave yeah. Michael Nolan's house of an evening and you're telling your friends, boy, did we drink some remarkable drams. How often do you lead with the Glen Burgie, right? <laughs> yeah. You want to tell your friends, oh, we had a crazy Talisker and we had a, a wonderful Highland Park and, oh boy, did he pull out a lag of wool. And you want to tell your friends the things they recognise, mm. right? And I, I want us in 2021 to say, I had a Glen Burgie, I had a Craig Elicky, I had a Tia Ninnich. I had an Athrusk, mm. right? Mm-hmm. I had a Glen Elgin to get back to our own bloody podcast, right? That's what I want nation members, and yeah. I count them globally now, nation members to say, I'm going to take a distillery under my wing and I'm going to make sure yeah. my friends know yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, at this point, I need, I need to thank you. I need to thank you. Oh boy, I, I was I was just waiting for your honourable mention, but uh, please <laughs> do not allow me to get in your way here. Well, we wouldn't have an honourable mention if it weren't for you. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> because just like Michael Nolan has his fetish for Glenn Burgie, and, that is the correct word. Right? And Moscow Jim has his fetish for Krigeliki. And then um, Chris Sweener out of Massachusetts has his fetish for Amra, right? You know, granted, Amra is, is a much larger oh, known yeah. distillery, and, and they have their own <laughs> bottlings. But still, you know, getting back to people who think of, man, I like that scotch, right? There's a lot of people mm-hmm. that still don't know Amra. And there are people that... Oh, yeah. That, oh, absolutely, yeah. Right. And people that will, will champion them and will go out of their way to, yeah. To, to, yeah. to speak the gospel, if you will. Which we discussed with Raj in his episode in 2020. Perfect. And so I need to thank you because the gospel that I've been trying to spread for the past 12 plus years since before I knew you was that Imperial produced some of the best whiskey <laughs> around it. And you like Imperial well enough. But yeah. but it's soft. Yeah, I like it well enough. Right. It's softer. It's a bit more gentle. It's got more minerality. It, it's just, it doesn't always tick all of your boxes. But, and you said this in a previous episode, you've always trusted my my gut on some things. 
And mm-hmm. and when we started getting access to Imperial, I would always love them more than you. Of course, you would see them as great whiskeys, and you'll say, of course, I'm going to put the Single Cast Nation name on it. <laughs> yes. But where I'm, like, clamoring, I just, more and more Imperial, we have to do this. You're like, yeah, okay, that, that'll be okay. Uh, that'll, that'll do. Mm-hmm. You're not the one driving the bus when it comes to Imperial. I am. But you're saying... I am not. Take it away, driver. And so... I'm going to bend the rules a little bit here and say I've got... (laughs) (laughs) Thank God it's our podcast. I have two honorable mentions. My first honorable mention... (laughs) But that's really unfair because we could list honorable mentions all day long around here. But but once I say it, you'll understand why. Yep, there you go. The Imperial okay, pour a little yeah, there, please. Since you're bending the rules, I'm gonna need some whiskey to get me through this. So the the honorable mention is our 30-year-old Imperial, which was bottled under our Woodcut series, right? People mm-hmm. people may or may not remember if they've heard about it or had it, they will remember our 30-year-old Beaumore, which was the first in our Woodcut series, and then we did our 30-year-old Imperial, which I have to say, as much as I love it, it is not my favorite Imperial. It is my third favorite Imperial. <laughs> and you'll, you'll understand why once I get there. Um, I'm, I'm proud of this one for a few reasons. I'm proud that we were able to put out a 30-year-old that is oh, yes. Oh, yes. so beautiful, so glorious, and we were able to put it out at $395. Exactly. Yep. I knew you were going to identify price on this because Imperial, and you're, a, you're an opener, a drinker, a collector of Imperial, you're, that just got a lot harder for you in 2020. Prices on Imperial are going north through, rapidly. Through the roof. Through the friggin' roof. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate. But it's understandable at the same time. It's a demolished distillery. These things are just going to happen. But I'm, I'm proud of this, and I'm proud of the price. But it is my third favorite Imperial. And as someone who has been drinking... Imp- Go on. Yeah. No, no. No, no. Okay. I, is it your third favorite of 2020, or is your third favorite Imperial of all your Imperials? It's my second favorite Imperial... <laughs> Of 2020, but my third favorite Imperial of all time. Lord. Oh my God, I need an abacus and a spreadsheet. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm going to pour a little bit of this myself. And so my first favorite Imperial is something that I don't have here, but, but I really feel as if the, this is the best Imperial I've ever tasted. And... Uh, uh. To, to, to new listeners, welcome. Welcome to our inaugural episode of One Nation Under Imperial. <laughs> a new a new podcast, a fourth podcast from Joshua and Jason, where Jason listens to Joshua talk about all of his Imperials. So my first favorite Imperial is the 24-year-old that we just released for UK Rest of the World. Uh-huh. That single cask of Imperial, why... The broker sold it to us. I will never know. I will just say thank you because that is 
by and large, the best Imperial I have ever tasted. And not because we bottled it. It just mm-hmm. simply is the best Imperial that I've, that I've ever tasted. And it had knocked my favorite Imperial of all time down to, to place number two. And that's the 15-year-old Malt Trust, which was my gateway Imperial. I remember you saying that. Yep. Didn't you just recently pick up another bottle of that to have in the bunker? I did. I did indeed. And and I only have the I one. Remember now. the things you text me. So uh, so you, there you go. That's my honorable mention. And uh, so, so just to be clear, yep. the honorable mention of your SCN release of 2020 is the 24 year old Imperial released to UK, Europe, rest of the world. Release number two. Cor- correct. And I only bring up the 30-year-old because what an age to be able to have access to to bottle. And then even in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of 25% tariffs to the U.S., we were able to release this whiskey at $395. That's why it fits into the honorable mention. That's why I allow it to bend the rules a little bit because it allows us to highlight what we try to do at all times is to do a solid for our nation members. 100%. Yep. 100%. I'm going to take a quick break here to replenish my water, Mm. trip to the bathroom, see if there's any coffee left in the pot, and I will be back. All right. Thanks for waiting for me there, Joshua. Life is good again. I have finished the... Oh, I'm giving the game away here. Oh, 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 God, I love the sound of that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a tight one. That's a uh, kind of cork on that one. Okay, hold on. Yeah, so I haven't seen the label, but I have. Are you looking, you're looking at too much here. Well, I, I've seen bits and bobs, which gives me an idea as to the bottler. Yes, um, I, I think you could guess that. Per, even just by that cork alone, I think you could guess the bottler. But and in knowing the distilleries that you love, I I, I have <laughs> I have a hard time. Well, let me let me put this a different way. Seeing, let me put this an even different way. Knowing the distilleries <laughs> that you love, it's very difficult for me to think outside of that potential box of distilleries that you will have chosen your favorite whiskey of the year from? Non-SCN category. Non-SCN category. I don't want it to sound like SCN exists as its own participation trophy category. This is, uh, you know, as as we've been been using this this term somewhat frequently, it was kind of like quid pro quo in the news just a few months back. Um, yep. We use this term writ large. So Ooh, whiskey category yes, yes, writ large. Yes, writ large. This whiskey is from a, dist- I, I assume, and I don't think I'm making an ass out of me, maybe out of you, but 
I assume that this is from a distillery that is quite obvious you would select a whiskey from. Very obvious. Mm. Very obvious. Perhaps yes, my, my too camera obvious? Points, <laughs> my camera points the other direction. But if, if it was pointing towards the door to my office, you would see the shelving unit that contains mm-hmm. this distillery. And now I know exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but here's the thing. I still don't think you know the cask. Uh, huh. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Because this particular bottler has, well, this particular company has a few different labels that they could Correct. bottle under. Correct. And as, okay, so so this is a whiskey bottling from Elixir Distillers slash Speciality Drinks slash the Whiskey Exchange. Correct. Okay. Indeed. And so I knew that because of the black wax on top. And this super tight cork. Super, <laughs> super tight cork. Super tight cork. Is a is a calling card of the whiskey exchange. Okay. So okay. Oh gosh. I'm just nosing this as you're talking. The reason I'm so quiet right now, A, I'm enjoying listening to you. Mm-hmm. But B, I'm just nosing the shit out of this. Mm. It's so good. And I'm turning it in my glass and I'm also looking at the oils building around the Glencairn on this mm-hmm. one as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a bit deeper. Hold on a second. I need to grab my own bottle. I'm going to go a bit deeper. Now, what our listeners don't have the luxury of is being able to see you, right? We're always looking at one another when we record. Mm-hmm. And so you did give away a little bit of a hint. And that little bit of a hint was a black waxed top. Mm-hmm. And I think that the whiskey exchange only uses that black wax top when they bottle something under the whiskey exchange ah, label. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Am the I... top of my label does match the one that you're showing there. Yep. Okay. And now I assume that it's also single malt scotch whiskey. Am I right there? It is. Right. It is. It is. It is. And I'm going to guess that the distiller you're about to mention is not the one on my label. You are correct, although I do have that label because you bought me a bottle and it's in my closet. I did. Have you opened yours yet? No, remember I said I'm taking it to Maltstock. You did say you're taking it to Maltstock. That's right. So the one that I have, and mine's not open yet, is a 21-year-old Glenn Talker's. So, and and to be fair to you, Glen Talkers is one of your most beloved distilleries. Correct. It's my Glenbergie or my Craig Ellicke. Yeah, exactly. Glen Talkers is very special, and I love introducing people to Glen Talkers when we lead Whiskey Geek Tours. Our, our very good friends, James and Martha Foster, mm-hmm. reached out over email during this Festivus to say, do you guys still run Whiskey Geek Tours? To which I said, yes, we most definitely do, just not during the global pandemic. I don't know if we'll run any in 2021, but all going according to plan, which, haha, everyone laughs at that statement. (laughs) 2022 Whiskey Geek Tours will return. It will return. So, 
Do, do, do you mind me going down this route? I'm, I'm basically playing 20 questions with myself yeah, while I'm you just nod. Myself. Okay. I'm more than happy to keep nosing and drinking this whiskey while you talk. And so my guess is that this is a single cask. This is not a vatting of, of a few different casks, right? Okay. Correct. Correct. It is a single cask. Okay. Oh, yes. 100% single cask. And I, I mentioned this before. You you have a you kind of lean toward peated whiskeys. I do, I do. I, t- I tell people in my tastings they fill my soul. Would you Would you say if you could before? Because I because I, I I'm kind of dragging this out. I feel like Sting during a sexual encounter. I'm really dragging this out here. If tomorrow. You no longer had access to any unpeated whiskey. Would you be okay with that? I wouldn't be okay with it. No, no. I would. I would definitely miss. I just made my my SCN of the year as an unpeated Aaron. My second, you know, my my honorable mention was an unpeated Tianinic. No, I I love. Again, I say this in all my tastings. I love drinking. Point. Counterpoint. Mm. And mm-hmm. so I, I love having access to unpeated whiskey because it reminds me just how much I love peated whiskey. Yeah. And yes, I, I love, love, love Kilholman. That's one of my shelving units. Mm-hmm. And yes, I love, love, love this distillery, which you, you correctly identified, Lichig. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is, is is my other shelving unit, right? I, I, I love those two peated expressions, but I love our Pendaren. I love our Aaron. I love our Tianinic. I, I love our, our Imperials, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I love our Whistlepick. I love our Cadotin Creek. I could go on and on and on and on and on about unpeated offerings. So no, I would not be okay if, if unpeated offerings went away tomorrow. So... I was trying to extend the whole reveal, but you you listed it right there. It is a lechig. It's bottled by the Whiskey Exchange. So why is this? Tell, first, talk to us about this cask. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and tell tell us why this is the this is your favorite non single cast nation whiskey of the year, and why? Yeah. So you and I. We're excited to get back to malt stock this year. And because of the global pandemic, because of 2020, we did not make it to malt stock. However, we participated in an online malt stock along with Jess. And at that malt stock, we listened to Billy Abbott, who's a a wonderful, wonderful human being. I was just describing him Mm -hmm. yesterday to a friend and he is he is whiskey knowledge on legs, but he's also coffee knowledge on legs, and he's also geek culture knowledge on legs. He's he's a wonderful human being and a wonderful chap to to listen to and spend time with. And and it's really sad when we don't get to do that, as we've talked about twenty twenty, mm-hmm. when we don't get to hang out with people that we just simply love being around. And so and yes, yes, me, please let, add, please add, just just please. back. To the point about Billy Abbott, he's mm-hmm. also a wonderful hugger. 
I miss hugging Billy, seeing him, getting a good hug, and then and then just talking about whiskey or just there's there are a few people that know more about spirits in general than him, and it's just like it, it's like living like a sponge near him. It's wonderful. Yep, agreed wholeheartedly. Yep. He's, he's such a good good lad. Yep. So he he presented this whiskey at this online malt stock event. And that's right, <laughs> that's right. Right? Yeah. And while he had me at Lechig, the way he went on to describe it, and I'm I'm gonna pause on the, the description, their truncated label note is absolutely captivating and absolutely spot on as well. But the way he described it, you and I were texting back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. How many balls of this are you getting? How many balls of that are you getting? And and as it turned out, we actually never placed an order for any of them, no. uh, which is which is really not like us at all. At all. And, at all. Yeah. Right? But as we like to say, a seed was sown. And so, so a month, two months, a few months later, I was placing a whiskey exchange order. And the seed that had been sown by Billy had, had grown, had germinated. Mm-hmm. And I added a bottle of this to my order. Because I'm a Lechig, independently bottled Lechig collector, mm-hmm. which also means opener, which also means drinker, right? The same way you are with Imperial. <laughs> exactly. And... Uh, and I, and I got this bottle and I opened it immediately. I, I literally pulled it from the box and pulled the wax and popped the cork oh, and poured it into a glass. Love it. Yes. And started drinking yeah. it. And I was, I was absolutely floored with it. And I have since added this bottling to subsequent whiskey exchange orders mm-hmm. because I, I, knew, I knew how much I loved it at that point. And so this is, this is a sherry butt lechig mm-hmm. distilled in 2005. And, and we, may have, we may have bent the rules again. It was bottled in 2019. Hold on. I need to pause you right there. How on God's green earth was this bottled in 2019? And then at, at the whiskey show... Billy is waxing lyric. Where was it again? Maltstock. At Maltstock, sorry. Maltstock. And then at Maltstock, just this past September, granted it was an online Maltstock, but anyway, at Maltstock, Billy is waxing lyrical about it. And we still didn't buy any. And then two months later, you did buy some, and it's a single cast. Now, granted, it's a butt, so you have more bottles. 622. But the people who are selecting the whiskey exchange stuff, the single malts of Scotland stuff, the whiskey trail stuff, the, you know, the list goes on with their labels. There's some of the people that we hold in the absolute highest regard for having some the best palates there are. And that's just exactly. sitting around. How is that sitting around? I'm buying one right now, Jason. You, you talk your story. I'm buying one right now. Okay. Joshua? Don't you tell me it's sold n- out. Joshua? Yeah. Do not... I think it is sold out, but don't hit the purchase button because I need to finish my story. Okay, you finish your story. (sighs) Promise me if it's available, you will not hit the purchase button. I promise you 
that I will hit. Promise the, me that I will hit the purchase button if it's available. No. I promise. Don't don't do that. I won't so, hesitate in hitting the purchase button. Stop well, doing what you're doing. Only look at this camera. Camera. Only okay. look at me. Yep. Got it. Only look at me. Yep. So this was actually Add to a thirteen-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a thirteen-year-old when it was bottled, and so it was probably an early 2019 bottling. But listen to this. Go ahead. This is at 57.4% alcohol Ooh, good from ABV. a sherry butt. Good ABV. This is the truncated tasting note on the label. Mm. Smoky mango Ooh. with a hint of TCP and damp grass. Chocolate lime sweets follow with licorice and rich peat. If, if you were to take my list of things I want in Lechig, those are, I would say, four out of the five. I also want a salinity. I also want boat ropes. Those are things that I'm looking for in Lechig, which you're clearly not necessarily going to get in a sherry bud. So the chocolate lime note is so good and so accurate and so well done. But the licorice, when I sit quietly with a glass of this, the licorice really gets mm. me every time. Mm. This is such a good bottling of Lechig, and it's so good. I bought you a bottle for your birthday, which was December 6th. Aww. And, and because of the postal system, I did not send it to you for your birthday. But in your box of bottles that we need to drive to meet each other, because <laughs> I've got so much for you, there's a bottle of this. Uh. Oh, gosh, that makes cheers me... Cheers to your belated birthday. Cheers, man. That makes me feel really, really, really good and, and special. And, and you know, as, as you're listing out these tasting notes, I, th I think of the character that Adam Sandler once played. In, in the old Adam Sandler albums, he played a character called the buffoon. And one time, <laughs> again... Back to thinking of those tasting notes, one time the buffoon had said, I've got a big fucking boner right now. And it always, and, and I thought it was apropos. Well, I am so glad that I pulled the bottle that I did for your birthday because finally, eventually, somewhat wondrously and fantastically, this is sold out on the Whiskey Exchange website. 622 bottles have finally all found homes and three of them made their way to this house where one is open, one is for your birthday and one is unopened for me to replenish the open bottle that I have been sharing far and wide. You know, you know the size of a Johnston pour. Damn, son. I have, I have half a bottle of this open one remaining because I'm sharing it far and wide. Good. It is a phenomenal lichig. Good. Oh, I, I cannot wait. And thank you, thank you, thank you for getting me a bottle. You're very welcome, sir. I knew you would love it. So my whiskey of the year, my whiskey of the year is surprisingly an OB. That's good to hear. It is that good to is hear. good to hear. Mm -hmm. It did not cross my mind in making any of my selections, but that's good to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, but but however, it is a single cask. 
<laughs> but it's a single cask. Of course. <laughs> uh, bottled by the distillery themselves. And, and I'm going to put another little wrinkle in here mm-hmm. and letting you know that as much as I love this distillery, and I do, they're so near and dear to my heart. I okay. don't think that I've ever selected them as a whiskey of the year or even in my top three. I, I think this this distillery has put out whiskeys that have appeared on my top ten lists a few times. Um, and it is not, hmm. and it's not because they make whiskey that's you know subpar compared to another distillery. It's just that's the way. That's the way I tasted that year, right? And it's, it's just you put everything together and, and bottles will lie where bottles will lie. This one is made my whiskey of the year. And see, I'm afraid when I say this that it may give away things. Mm-hmm. Um, Go ahead and say it. This whiskey was matured in a type of cask that I think this distillery spirit, for the most part, for my own tastes, does not work with. Have you pulled a Kilhoman? I've pulled a Kilhoman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. You, okay, but you haven't you haven't pulled the pheno matured Kilhoman, have I, you? I have not. I have not pulled a pheno because oh, it's a single cask, and that's not Correct. a single cask. Correct. Yes. And and that is a wild whiskey. And I'll be I'll be very honest here. I think the Kilhoman pheno cask is fun, right? It's doing a lot mm-hmm. of fun things, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it is a great whiskey. I think it's a fun whiskey. And I wouldn't necessarily reach out for it to say, I, I'm in need of that Kilhoman Fino. I think it's a whiskey that when you have friends over or if you're you know, putting together a tasting kit and sending it out to people, that you say, you know, this is, this is fun. This is, you should try it with these other ones because it's going to stand out for reasons A, B, and C. And so I bought a couple of bottles of it, I'm but glad I haven't you did. received them yet. I'm glad yeah. you did because it, it is it is such a fun and unusual whiskey. Mm-hmm. Right? It's one of those ones where you say, now try this. And sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes you're saying mm-hmm. that because you sit because it's a terrible whiskey. But sometimes you're saying it's just this is so unusual. It's so out of left field, you gotta give it a go. And I so I the whiskey that I pick was not out of left field, at least as far as the distillery character goes. I think that this 100% falls within the distillery's DNA. But the fact that it was, and I'll give you another hint, it was finished in this style of cask. Mm. I think a lot, I think the spirit benefited from a finish rather than a full maturation in this cask. And was it bottled for a retail store in Chicago? It is the eight-year-old Madeira-finished single cask for warehouse liquors. Which I am now reaching for on my Kilhoman shelving unit. There you go. (laughs) See that? 
I, I love I love that we that we're sharing these whiskeys. So I have yeah. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have seven shelves on my Cohoman unit. And not only was this bottling that you chose right in the middle of top to bottom all the shelving units, but it was also center within the shelf. You have picked yep. the center bottling top to bottom and left to right on my shelving unit. Bam. Wham. Jason, I I I need to this isn't extra extra, it's all about whiskey. But the TTB just announced some of the most amazing news right now. Okay. This is this is insane. Like this is absolutely insane. Okay. Standards of Phil Final Rule published. On December 29th, 2020, we will publish the final rule in Federal Register that, among other things, amends the TTB's rulings that govern the wine and distilled spirits containers by adding seven new standards of fill for wine and distilled spirits. And so a new standard filling... There's four of them for distilled spirits. 50 CL is coming, baby. 50 It's not 50 CL. Are you ready? (laughs) For distilled spirits, 700 milliliter. Oh! (laughs) Is that crazy? We're getting 700. What? Uh, Logistically, our lives became, oh my gosh, so much easier. Um, What? So the U.S. will now recognize 70 CL slash 700 milliliter bottlings, 720 milliliter, that's a weird one, 900 milliliter, and are you ready for this? 1.8 liter. Hmm. As of tomorrow, that will officially go into play. The U.S. will accept 700 milliliter bottles, which some people, I can, I can already hear it, right? People listening to this podcast may say, well, that sucks. They're just going to screw us out of the extra, you know, 50, milliliter, 50 milliliters <laughs> or, or, or 50 CL. And I am one of those people. And I am one of those people as well. However, <laughs> however, think about how many of the bottlings we in the U.S. have missed out on because they were bottled exclusively in 700 milliliter bottles. That's remarkable. I, I hadn't even heard a whisper of this happening. Oh, oh, really? No, that's not true. You and I had talked about it being proposed to the mm, TTB. Okay. It may not have made it oh, onto okay. any episode. It, it could have been just oh, okay. in a, a drinking session. But... Uh, that is breaking news as of this morning, Jason. <laughs> breaking news aside, Joshua. Yeah. Talk to me about why you think, and I know you said that the distillery character still runs through it, but what do you think Madeira maturation brings to Cahoman that made this your 2020 non-SCN whiskey of the year? 
Well, let me back it up a little bit, as as I'm often wanted to do. I'd expect nothing less. Back away. Beep, beep, <laughs> beep, beep. I think it was in 2000, <laughs> either 2015 or 2017. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to remember. But mm-hmm. Kilhoman had their, you know, as they do every year, at the end of the year, they released their, you know, unusual cask matured whiskey. In 2016, it was the Madeira. Oh, that's right. In, in 2017, it was the red wine cask and, and so on. So I think 2015 was the, was the Madeira one. Um, and, and it's just highlighting the distillery spirit in a different cask type to show you what their spirit does in those different casks, right? And when I tasted the Madeira one, while the majority of people enjoyed that bright freshness that the that Kilhoman brings to the heavy earthiness of Madeira, right? Mm-hmm. People would drink that and they say, "Oh, that's nice. It's nice because the bright freshness balances out the earthiness and vice versa." And to me, for my palate, I thought they were fighting. I didn't love the bottling, but right, everybody's palates are different. And yeah. so since then, I've been really nervous about Madeira, Madeira cask, <laughs> Madeira cask matured or cask finished Kilhoman because I just had assumed the two for my palate are oil and water. They just don't fit. Yep. Like port, port for me and port for you in yep. a lot of ways. Yep. It's oil yep. and water. Yep. Perfect. 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 And so it was December. And to be clear, port, port mature to port finished, not port. We both love port. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's influence on whiskey. That's a good clarification. Thank you. And so for me, back in December of 2019, I was at the distillery. I was on Isla for my birthday, along with Swede Scott's birthday, along with Jess Lomas's birthday. They were celebrating their project 1989 you know, they had both turned 30 in, in 2019, so I was there helping them celebrate. Mm-hmm. But I can't enjoy vacation without working a little bit, so I went to the distillery and I selected some. I selected three casks. One for warehouse liquors, one for the New York market, and one for Astor Wines in New York. And when I say I selected them, I mean... I selected casks that I thought would do well for them. They had every right to say, no, I don't like this, right? Yeah. And for the New York one and the Astor ones, I I had a directive. I knew exactly what to look for for those particular, for that market and for that shop. But for warehouse liquors in Chicago, I didn't have a directive. All I had was me knowing Gene's palate and what Gene may or yep. may not like. Right. <laughs> yep. And so we're tasting through these casks, and, and <laughs> Anthony Wills says a couple of times, he says, and over there we have our Madeira finish stuff. And I kept on politely ignoring him because I thought to myself, I'm, ju- I'm not going to do that to Gene. Gene and I, I thought, had similar palates, and I was afraid to present something to him that... That, that he wouldn't like. But at the same time, when Anthony Wills, the owner of the distillery, says you need to try these out, you should not 
be rude. So I decided not to be rude. And I said, you know what? Let's give these a go. And holy shit, if two of them were not wonderful, with one of them being remarkable. And so I gave Gene, I think it was maybe three or four samples. And the one that I thought was remarkable, he said, Joshua, this is this is just astounding, astounding whiskey, and I need the whole cask. And so he got it. It was bottled for him, put a sticker on it. Boom, Bob's your uncle. And of course, I needed a bottle. And I bought two, one for you, one for me. And, uh, and now I need more because I've been, now granted, I'm drinking this alone, so there's not a lot missing. Yes. But I'm also drinking it as if this is the last bottle of it I have. It is so fucking remarkable. This this does everything I want Kilhoman to do and more. It took me out of my comfort zone thinking Kilhoman doesn't do well in Madeira. It proved me wrong. I love it when something proves me wrong. And well, yeah. well, Joshua, allow me to prove you wrong. God, please, damn it, God damn please. it, please. If you're gonna open that door, I'm gonna walk right through it. You said to me, oh shit, Jason. All right. You need a bottle of this. You need a bottle of this. And I reached out to Michael Nolan, who lives in Chicago, who is, you know, very familiar with Warehouse Liquors. And Michael Nolan purchased me a bottle of this and sent it to me. You, sir, if you picked up a bottle for you and a bottle for me, have been working your way through the two bottles that you purchased from Gene. So <laughs> I love your face on this. I love this. Well, so then so then I then I must I must imagine uh-huh. that that I bought two and you'd said don't yeah. don't worry about buying me one because Michael because I always think of you. Whenever I buy whiskey, I'm thinking, does Jason need this one? And so I'm thinking you and I must have spoken and you said you're you're already getting one. So maybe I got that one for Jared. Mm-hmm. Shit, man, I don't remember. <laughs> Jared doesn't like Coleman in wine. He he just doesn't like it. I was telling him about the um, Southern California Whiskey Club yeah. bottling that you and I picked up, and he just doesn't like it in wine. He wants X bourbon. Because I was telling him about this one. I was telling him he had to get this bottle from Gene. But then listening to how he talked about Coleman in wine, I was like, maybe you don't. So don't worry about it. So you may very well have a couple to work through there. I also want to (laughs) throw in that I think I own all three of the casks that you selected on that trip then. You do. Because yep. I've got your Aster bottling, I've got your New York Market bottling, and I've got your Warehouse Liquors bottling. I definitely sent you the Aster and the New York one. One of them... You did. One of them, I think... Oh, one of them's on Jess's birthday, right? One of them. Cast, oh, nice. cast number 794, if, if I'm not mistaken, hmm. um, for, for Aster. Or it might be cask 316. Anyway, 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 anyway. Uh, so, so you and I, sir, have revealed our top whiskey of the year. <laughs> We're also almost two hours into this podcast. I'm not rushing us. I'm not rushing us. And I, I doubt our listeners are either, or at least the ones who have stuck around thus far. What, sir, 
is your wild card of the year? So I'm not prepared to answer that question just now. I am sitting here sipping on your Madeira finish selection from Kilholman. Phenomenal, right? With Jean for Warehouse. And I'm going to continue to sip on this and enjoy this. I'm going to use this time to tell you about my favorite episodes. And then I will swing back around to my wild card. And then potentially you're going to throw in your new wrinkle of a question for this podcast as well. Okay. Okay. And I and I'm I'm firmly convinced that by the time you edit this, we're not pushing two hours at this point. I think we're pushing an hour and three quarters at this point. You, sir, are hilarious. But continue. I think we got I think we got some time in the tank, as they say. Favorite episodes. I'm I'm gonna say it first because I because I, I think on this one we're probably gonna pick the same Can episode. Can we say that? Can we so say it on I'll the count pick... of three? <laughs> Let's do it on the count of three to see if we're one in the same. I know what I'm gonna say on the count of three. Okay, just say the person's name. Okay. <laughs> no, but you're gonna like what I say. Let you do you do the countdown. Three, two, one. Will Oldham. (laughs) (laughs) I was I was selecting our wives takeover episode so that you would feel confident in picking the Will Oldham episode. (laughs) Uh, What's interesting is is both of those episodes are not necessarily whiskey focused. Isn't that Correct. interesting? C- Correct. Yeah. But I, you know, you, you've said this earlier on the podcast. You and I are in the fourth season of this. We're only uh, a couple of months, really just six weeks away from closing out the fourth season mm. and then opening the doors on the fifth season of One Nation Under Whiskey. We have never received more positive feedback than we received for the wife takeover. Never, never, ever. Yep. That that episode, and, and even I think as recently as, you know, last week, you forwarded me a text from somebody who was waxing lyrical about the the wife takeover. And so yep. it's it it has been a remarkable episode that has had such wonderful legs. And and even as new feedback comes in and I tell my wife Tamara about it, she just she smiles and she continues on with what she's been doing in that moment. Yeah. That was such a fantastic experience. And I think it it really spoke to, there's you and me and there's Jess and there's whoever we had in 2021. But at all times and for the last decade, there have been our wives. Mm. And I think our listeners... Our, our nation members, our fans, our followers, whatever word we choose to insert here, have been so intrigued by the women who support our efforts and our endeavors mm-hmm. within this field. That when, A, when they finally had a chance to talk, people wanted to hear what they had to say, but then they were also funny and 
they got to see, you know, they also hold our feet to the fire on things. Mm -hmm. And they say, if you're going to do this, don't do this by half measures. And our listeners having a chance to hear from them directly Mm. was a really wonderful moment in 2020. So that's that's my number one episode from this year. And gosh, I don't just have one honorable mention. I have multiple honorable <laughs> mentions, as we always do in trying to pick a, a favorite from the year. So so that, that that's my those are my reasons for selecting the wifely takeover. But give us your reasons for Will Oldham. Well, uh, the, the wifely takeover was definitely my my honorable mention. There's no doubt about it, uh, and and for all of the reasons that you've listed, uh, the Will Oldham one being being my favorite episode is well for many reasons, right? Just just like for my favorite SCN bottle uh, or runner up, or my favorite number, you know, my number one whiskey bottle. You know, there, there are multiple reasons. And so with Will Oldham, you know, you and I reached out to Will a good year before we actually interviewed him. And we sent an email out uh, to his publicist and received nothing back, unfortunately. And then just decided to try again. And then, and then two days later, Will Oldham emailed us directly. Well, yeah, that was... You're talking about this question coming later in the episode being a wrinkle. Will just writing back to us after we'd already had a failed exploration. Mm-hmm. What a wink, wrinkle. What a wrinkle. What a wrinkle that was. So um, I wasn't... The question that I have that, that throws a wrinkle into things has nothing to do with what our favorite episode is. No, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm just saying you've got me saying wrinkle now when I've probably gone about three years without using the word wrinkle in this context, yeah. you've now put it into my head and I'm using it constantly. But do you use, I imagine you use the word wrinkle any and every time you look in the mirror, right? Am I correct in saying that this Madeira cask has a little pink tinge to it? It's got a, a wee pink tinge. The color is not too far off from our Pindaren Grand Cru Bordeaux cask. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna ignore your offensive <laughs> statement. Now. So the uh, which one anyway? So the <laughs> you know the the emailing of Will Oldham was a pipe dream. It's one of those things that you know I felt as if we were on a boat, and we said we said okay we're on a boat, and everyone has told us that there's no fish in this lake. But we're going to throw a line out anyway and see what happens. And then all of a sudden, we got a bite. Like, I never in my wildest dreams thought that someone like Will Oldham would say, yeah, I'm interested in talking with you. The fact that he said, yes, I'll talk with you. And the fact that he said, come to my house. Let's have a conversation over whiskey. You know, there... He... His music is so dear to me. And I felt as if we were in the position of, didn't they always say, don't meet your idols? 
and <laughs> and and I, and I was nervous that we would that we would meet Will and that he would be a weirdo or an a-hole or you know just someone we didn't get on with but we totally got or on with difficult them. or difficult or esoteric or, es- or what, what what have you and it was just a pretty straightforward conversation um, that was just so lovely to be a part of and the conversation continues right i mean this this single recording of this podcast continues to have legs and i listen back to it every every now and again and it's i just love hearing will being thoughtful about music about being thoughtful about whiskey and what whiskey is doing to his to his state and how he feels that there's there's a good bit of disingenuineness happening you know there's less whiskey and more marketing happening and and it was great to hear his perspective because he's outside of the industry he's just a a Kentucky resident seeing what yeah. it's doing around him and that was wonderful to hear and i'll end it with this the reason why i this is my number 1 <laughs> the fact that he's saying an a cappella song to us and continued to oh. sing a second song to us knowing that we could not air it. There's another song out there that no one else has heard except for maybe you, me, Haida, and I'm, you know, I imagine you played it for tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have the audio of it. Only you have the audio of it. I oh. couldn't play it for tomorrow. Oh, shit. I, I gotta, I've got to send it to you. But if you want to send it to me, I would gratefully receive it. So thank you very much. Because it's it's remarkable. It really is. Could we post the audio to our single cast nation members only Facebook group? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's because of the content or because of the copyright? Because of the copyright. It's a private group. Nobody has access to the private group. It's the internet, Jason. That's a that's a good point. Yeah, it's a good. That's point. a good point. Yep. It is the internet. Yeah, I just you are right. It, there. It's the internet. Bootleg. Yeah. Come on, bootleg. It's a bootleg tape. Come on, <laughs> you can find a way. You're smart. I, You're smart. Yeah, I'm. I'm so smart that I'm going to keep it to us, and our listeners will just sit there wanting. As you talk about expectations around that interview, and and might it be weird or difficult or esoteric? I I feel like the pandemic already took care of that. We pitched up in our masks. We made it from his front door to his back door to get onto the deck. And then we sat six feet apart. Mm-hmm. And then we removed our masks. And we didn't move within that six feet buffer. Nope, nope. nope. And, and then when it was over and we'd had some drams and we talked some whiskey and we had a great conversation, we put our masks back on and we walked through his house and we, we exited in our, in our respective cars. There was already a weirdness to it as supplied by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I think we sought out, all three of us, sought out a certain normality as we sat there within the interview Mm -hmm. and allowed the pandemic to rage around us as we sought 
normalcy, a very American word, within that interview, within that setting, within that context. Mm. And I wonder if that made it slightly more accessible, normal, but but it was still one. It was still a wonderful conversation. And it was still interesting. It was still fascinating. I, I, and, and and yeah, those a cappella recordings just remarkable. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, I've and of course he likely will not be listening to this episode. I'm sure he's not, he li- not. listening in, you know, two hours in. But there he's not. I've I have spoken with Will many times over the years. And by speaking with, I mean, I've said a sentence to him. And it's been the same sentence to him every time I would bump into him. I'd get, you know, because he likes playing smaller venues sometimes. And, and so there have been a few times where I've just simply bumped into him in the toilet. And, uh, or you it's, know, it's the place you hang out. It's the it place gets, I hang out. You're you're in the toilet. <laughs> or he comes off the stage and he's he's walking away or something like that. And I say the same to him, same thing to him every time. And I'll say, "It's a really awesome set, Will." <laughs> and the fact that I got to just spend an hour and a half with him, where he said something back to me other than "Thanks, man," was was really special. So. <laughs> Yeah, he he said, the toilet's just left <laughs> off the kitchen. You you can't miss it. <laughs> he knows he knows what you live for, Joshua Hatton. He knows. It's interesting as I listen to you talking about how you felt speaking to Will Oldham, and in 2019, I I obviously felt the same way in speaking to Dave Broom mm, when we mm. we were just chatting in the new Kilholman Visitor Centre. Mm-hmm. That was a real special moment. Really and is. obviously in 2020, we brought Dave back for a second time and we've already scheduled him for a third time. And we I have. think that will make him the only person to be on One Nation Under Whiskey three times. For their own episode, yes. Right? We've, we've done some Whiskey Jubilee sort of recap episodes where we've had guests yeah. on right yeah. yeah but yeah that's, that's i still don't think there's anybody even in that context who's been on three times but when you and i sat down in london in the tasting room in the blending room of compass box and chatted with john glazer mm. it's so interesting that you say every time i saw will oldham in concert and he would walk off stage and i would say great set will and he would say Thanks, man. I had only had the same experience with John Glazer, mm. where I had been at festivals with him or presentations with him, and and I was always so impressed by him. And in passing by him, I would say, "Great talk, John," or "Great presentation, John," and he would say, "Thanks, man." <laughs> <laughs> right? That's so great. We got to sit down with him and explore this world in, in which we inhabit and and that to me we really did we had very special guests carol lang was a highlight for me stephanie mcleod was a highlight for mm, me mm-hmm. kirsty mccallum was a highlight yep, for me yep wonderful you know, so so many so many great great whiskey chats with people and doing it during covid mm. where we had to say look 
We're not going to do this in person. We're not going to get a dram. With John, we did. It was January in London. Hmm. COVID hadn't arrived mm-hmm. just yet, mm-hmm. although we do now have a sense that COVID had arrived just then. Um, but we launched season four, episode one with John Glazer. And that was that was so special for me, really, really tremendously special that I I look on, back on that with such a fondness. Mm. And if if we're looking for an honourable mention, I, I I simply cannot move beyond that John Glazer episode. Yeah, let me. So, firstly, yeah, no, I I, I think you're you're spot on. He he like Dave Broom for you is another person where I would say I'd be almost scared to talk to them and, and do exactly mm-hmm. what exactly what you did because it's John fucking Glazer, mm-hmm. right? Now mm-hmm. the the wives episode is is most definitely my honorable mention. However, I think it it bears mentioning that in twenty twenty you and I launched a second podcast extra extra it's all about whiskey and we did 20 episodes for people just doing a tight 30 minutes sometimes 35 <laughs> and and i, I sometimes re- 62 sometimes 62 but but i think that that was overall such a great addition to the podcast we do and allowed us to you know we forced ourselves to focus on whiskey and focus on a singular subject regarding whiskey and and that's not easy for us to do you know given a propensity to just want to get you know just to follow this tangent and that tangent and and yeah. so and yeah. and people have really been following the extra extra our download rates or streaming rates are up there along with our One Nation Under Whiskey download and streaming rates, which which is very good to hear. It makes me feel good. So I'm going to throw that in as a uh, secondary honorable mention. Oh, nice, nice. So here comes my secondary honorable mention. And it, it's again along the lines of when otherwise would you have a chance to talk to this person? Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Huh. Uh-huh. When would you... Okay. It, uh-huh. Is it Dr. Daniel Whiteson? It's not, it's but not. he would be among my honorable mentions because that was a great episode and we didn't, you know, tangentially connect it to whiskey. But no, this, this person, it was 100% whiskey focused and you and I sat back and listened. For the for over the course of the interview. Oh, okay. So if it's someone you just sit back and listen to, it's got to be Richard Seal of Foursquare. It's not, but that was another <laughs> highlight of the year. Yeah. That was a great conversation. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to give the game away to you here. It happened at the same time we were in London for John Glazer. Fuck. You're making me go back in time. Uh, to when to when time made sense, mm-hmm. was it James Saxon? Was it the follow up with James Saxon, which was also a highlight of the year? This is Mister Whiskey Exchange. Fucking Sakinder Singh. 
fucking Sukinder Singh. Yeah. That was remarkable. He, he, we were in the chairman's room and yeah. the, the photo, if you look at the masthead, that photo was taken in the chairman's room. Mm. We were surrounded by his whiskey collection. He came in late. He rushed in the door yeah. from one meeting, yeah. from solving one problem. He sat down with us for the duration of the interview and then he jumped up and he rushed off to his next thing. But in that time where he was sitting in his chair across the chairman's table from us, surrounded by his collection, we were the only thing happening in his life at that moment. Yeah. And you and I had question and question and question. We got through our first question with him. Yeah, this was the this was the first time where I think we went into the interview not necessarily knowing which direction it would go that it would go into. Uh, because there's there's so many facets of And that's exactly <laughs> it, right? Yeah. We could have talked about the, the director's picks. We could have talked about single malts of Scotland. We could have talked about the whiskey exchange picks. We could have talked about the whiskey show. We could have talked about, obviously, collecting minis and how that turned into a larger collection. We could have talked about running the biggest online retailer in the world. We we could have talked about growing it in 20 years. We could have talked about hours worth of things. And when it ended up just being one question <laughs> i was i was happy for that one question to be thoroughly thoroughly answered what i found interesting about that interview because i i agree with you and it surprises me that i agree with you because you and i are are quite the same when it, when and you'll understand what i what i'm about to say when i say it is you and i are both control freaks 100 yep. percent control freaks and we simply could not control the conversation and we didn't we really didn't try it was hey sukinder here's here's a question and boom you're off to the races and we just like with richard seal right i think the conversation was somewhat similar where you ask a question and you say let go and let god and wherever this leads to, it's it's going to lead to. And any any follow up questions that you or I had, you just you save them for another interview or you toss them out because the conversation wasn't going that way. And you just have to be but, happy for the time you have. But here's what's been really great about us getting that time with Sekinder. Mm-hmm is we're you know we're obviously very good friends with Oliver Chilton we've had him on the on the podcast a couple of times mm-hmm. we're always happy to spend time talking with Ollie Sekinder is now giving Ollie a hard time because whenever you and I have gone to London <laughs> we've gone out eating and drinking with Ollie with Chris Mabin Sekinder with Billy Abbott with Billy yeah early in the episode yep. Sukinder hasn't come along and Sukinder is now giving Ollie a hard time for not being invited along on those 
dining and drinking sessions. And so we will have a chance to just simply hang out with Sikinder and then we'll get him back onto the yeah. the, the pad cost yeah. and we'll ask him some other questions. Yep. And it might be about the director's picks and it might be about Smos and it might be about building what he and his brother have built over 20 years. Mm. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. And maybe we'll get to ask him one more question on the podcast and see what episode that turns into. But it's exciting. I'm, I'm really excited to see more of him. Uh, he's, a, he's a really special chap. And, and one of the things, and I'll say this before we then move on with the podcast, his humility is genuine. Mm. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to, to bathe in what he has done, what he and his brother have achieved. He... And you and I said this way back in the beginning of this episode, his eyes are on the future. His eyes are, are on what's next. All times. Yep. And, and, and he doesn't want to listen to us waxing lyrical about his achievements. He wants to move on to the next achievement. And, and that's where Black Talk comes from. That's where Black Talk 50th anniversary comes from. Mm. That's where he's moving. And I, I love that. I absolutely love it. I think he's a really wonderful human being. And I personally want to hang out with him more and, and understand him more and, and learn from him more as well. So Beautiful. That, that, was a, that was a real great moment in 2020. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yep, there is absolutely no doubt about it. And the way you talk about it makes me wonder why I didn't select the same damn thing. Um, well, that's, that's usual. My Kilhoman Madeira finish from Gene Charnas at Warehouse Liquors is finished, and I need another pour. So I know you're about to, to get what will be your wild card pour. I don't have a bottle of my wild card pour because it hasn't hit the U.S. yet, and uh, all I have are samples to have gone by, but I have my, so I want to talk about that in a second, but I do have my runner up to, to my favorite wild card. And then there's a whiskey that I want to end on as well. You have just made me realize I never mentioned my honorable mention for my 2020 whiskey. Oh shit, dude. Make that happen. Let's reveal. Let's get the gender reveal party. What what color is the frosting inside the cupcake? Is it blue? Is it pink? Is it gray? Maybe it doesn't identify as it. What color are they? I'm just hoping I. Do, I'm just hoping I don't start a forest fire with this gender reveal. No, if you just sweep the forest, if you sweep the forest and get the leaves out, there'll be no fires. It's true. So, so I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm just going to jump straight into it because it's another bottling that I have poured. For, for special friends, I've done a lot of outdoor, distanced pouring mm-hmm. for special friends in 2020. And I know you have too. Mm-hmm. This is something that nobody has in their collection. Nobody. And it's... We talked about Michael Nolan and his Glenbergie fetish. We talked about Moscow Jim and his Kregeliki fetish. This is our fetish, Joshua. Mm. This is FWP 
fetishism. Just gone wild. Whammo. You and I, you and I own bottles and 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 we we just mentioned Oliver Chilton a minute ago we we had a zoom just drinking session just a friendly drinking session with him and we talked about this release you talked about with Chris Udi on the Impex uh, deep dive series where Chris Udi cannot get his head around FWP fetishism mm-hmm. um and and this bottle Incredibly well done. Beautiful package, uh, beautiful label, beautiful yes. whiskey inside. Yeah. This is cognac cask <laughs> finished, 33-year-old Beaumore. It really takes my breath away. I was sipping on some of this just the other night, and I, I can be enveloped by this whiskey, which is so special. Isla Violets was the release that came out in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I I wouldn't have it as my 2020 bottling because I know it doesn't fit all palettes. And I know that the pricing on it doesn't fit all budgets. This this is a 400 pound bottle. Yeah. Not 400 dollar. It's a 400 pound bottle and so I I would be hard pressed to name this as my 2020 because it's just not accessible price and flavor it's just not accessible but for those who like this style and for those who have a little extra cash to throw at this bottle in 2020 Real special, really special. And I've enjoyed it every time I've dipped into it and I've thoroughly enjoyed sharing it, which is a marker for me on on what we like to do with our whiskeys. I find it very interesting that you would take into consideration other people's palates for your own favorite, non-SEN favorite whiskey of the year. Price point... I, f- I fully understand, right? It's like, you know, say, oh, my favorite whiskey of the year was the 50, you know, 1957 Beaumore. That happened to be $100,000 per bottle. <laughs> like, no, you don't, no one says that. And if you say that, you're, no. you're wrong for saying that because yeah. that's just goddamn ridiculous. So price-wise, 400 pounds, that's a lot of money. But I don't I don't understand why you would potentially say this could not be your whiskey of the year because it doesn't necessarily line up with other people's palates. I don't understand the logic there. Can you explain? Yeah, for sure. When I pour something, if, you, if you've come to my house and, and we're sitting outside and, and we're socially distanced and I put something into your glass, I want to be able to say about that whiskey you will love it. It will transport you. It will take you on a journey. And, and again, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, there are literally hundreds of things mm. I can pull off my shelves to put into your glass. I understand that for some people who love, love, love whiskey just as much as we do, just as much as our listeners do, FWP doesn't have a place 
in the whiskey world. Mm -mm. It's an off note. It's a failure. It's a misstep. It's like playing your favorite jazz album and you say, listen to the off notes, but listen to how far off base those notes go, right? It's hard to get people to go, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, right? I'm okay understanding Mm -hmm. that FWP exists in a subcategory of a subcategory. I'm okay with that. And so if I tell you, here's the best thing I tasted in 2020, and it's an off note of an off note, a subcategory of a subcategory, I don't think I've really told you anything interesting about whiskey. I've only told you something esoteric about myself. That's not what my 2020 whiskey is here to do. Yeah, see... I disagree with you here. I really do. Um, Because first off, I feel... So firstly, before we even get to what I'm about to say, for those of you who are listening who don't understand what we're talking about when we say FWP Beaumore, between... In the decade of the 80s, Beaumore Distillery produced a style of spirit that had a lot of floral notes. In some cases in some more rare and and unfortunate cases, very soapy Beaumore. But for the most part, it's a more floral style. And you're referring to them as off notes, and I I wouldn't refer to them as off notes. I feel as if... But the industry, those who don't like FWP refer to those notes as off notes. Right, but... But again, I just I, I don't I don't agree with them. They view them as off notes. I view them as a time in place, right? If we if we if we were to compare the whiskey to a band, right? Let's say Beaumore's the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees were with you so far, right? They were something very specific. In the you know in the late '60s and early '70s, and then they kind of away and kind of went away, and then they came back and they had their whole disco thing, which, for maybe people who loved, you know, the old crooners, uh, Bee Gees, maybe be put off a bit by the disco Bee Gees, but other people would say, no, the disco Bee Gees was where it was at. I didn't really like so much the old crooners of. You know, I I made a joke that started the whole world crying. Right? I, I think it's different tastes. Similarly, again, comparing it to, to bands, you know, I almost picture FWP Beaumore as the, al- the, the Kiss album Dynasty. That was their one disco <laughs> album, which didn't match the other stuff that they were doing, but there were some damn good songs on that album. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily off... It's just different, and what do you like? And so I, I think if you if you try to set the stage saying some people don't like this bow more because the flavors are off, I, I don't think that's correct. I think it's I think that's the way that they would view it, but I think that they're wrong. <laughs> I think the way it should be viewed is I don't like that decade because the style they're producing didn't fit my my profile. 
what I enjoy. It doesn't mean it was off. It means it wasn't what they enjoyed, just like some people don't like Kiss Dynasty, just like some people don't like Bee Gees Disco, just like some people don't like uh, Yes 90215 when they got away from Prague and went mainstream, right? It's just, it's a different style of whiskey. And I think it needs to be framed as such. And so other people might say, well, you keep on saying FWP, FWP. The, the reason why this floral style of Beaumont is called FWP is somewhere on, on some whiskey bulletin or whatever, chat room, someone referred to this style of Beaumont as French Whore's Perfume, FWP, French Whore's Perfume. And it's a style, Jason, that you and I love. We do. And it, within reason. Within, within reason. Oh, there have we been have some awful ones. The envelope. Yeah, yep, there have been some it. awful ones. But it's, it's a style that we are fascinated by, that we will buy each and every bottling if we see it available. There's no doubt about it, assuming we have the funds to. And so I see why it's your follow up bottling. And I, too, just like you, I didn't mention my runner-up for favorite whiskey of the year. So I do have a runner-up. It's just not enough time, Joshua, just right? Not enough just, time. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to make it real simple, real quick. Fuck, where'd I put it? Oh. There it is. So in November, uh, I decided, to, now this, I have to tell you, I have to tell you that, that I'm breaking all of the rules. This bottling did not come out in 2020, but I've been sitting on this bottling for years for the right moment to open it. And when I opened it, I've got to be very honest with you in saying that I didn't really like it. But as it started to air, as the oxygen has gotten to it, it's gotten to be wonderful. And I like this. And I needed a very special whiskey for a very special occasion. And as you know, it is the 1980 Glen Farkless. It was a, it's what they call their Christmas malt, Christmas single Highland malt. It was bottled in 2002. So obviously it's not a 2020 <laughs> whiskey, um, but it's something that I've held on to for a while and, and have wanted to open for the right occasion. What's the strength on it? Uh, 54.7. Okay, yeah, that'll hold. Yep. It's uh, from a single cask, a single sherry butt. This is bottle number 26 of 593 bottles. And uh, first fill sherry, and it was just too earthy, too dirty for my likes. But once the air started hitting it, it gets really fruity, and there's some... Just old coffee grains and some oolong tea leaves, and it's so very expressive and 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 fantastic a whiskey. It really is. And you can definitely find that with some Glenfarclas. Is that Dunnage warehouse mm-hmm, can can be so fecund, yeah, right, and it right, can yep. just be so deep and dark. But then you take the sherry that they're using, and you can just have. Depths upon depths, mm-hmm. dark fruit upon spiced fruit cake. Mm-hmm. Glenfarclas can go real deep, real deep. Yep. And unless you can get a bit of oxygen in there, unless you can somehow introduce a little bit of lightness, Glenfarclas can really 
you know, delve into the depths. Mm -hmm. And so what you're describing there doesn't necessarily surprise me. I'm just going to throw in an additional in here, just as we're talking Glenn Farkless. Again, we talked about this in in a recent episode where Svi, our good friend Svi, oh, had sent us some samples. You're going where I want to go. Please continue. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. yes. He 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 had sent us the Glenfarclas 2009, which was the the unreleased distillery exclusive from this year, the Stillman's Dram, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's got a a whacking 60.1% ABV on it. But when I stuck my nose in that Glenfarclas, I was standing in the warehouse. Yeah. It transported yep. me. Yep. And that that's you know one of the many many things I'm I'm looking for whiskey to do is to transport me and and you and I have been fortunate we've had some wonderful experiences I know not everybody listening to the 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 podcast has stood in in any of the Glenfarclas warehouses but when a whiskey expression can transport you to the warehouse wonderful things are happening wonderful yes. things are afoot and I just wanted to give a little nod to that sample which is long finished, is long gone, but boy, did I enjoy it as somebody who thoroughly enjoys standing in the Glenfarclas warehouses. The fact that Zvi sent us each those care packages, along with our friend Danny Saltman, uh, it was just so lovely, so generous. And um, later on, towards the end of this episode, I want to I want to just make a, a quick reveal on something. That's all. That's, that's all I want to say. Now, we've, we've talked our favorite single-cast nation bottling and the runner-up, or honor, honorable mention. We've, honorable mention, We've yeah. discussed our favorite whiskey of the year, and now, plus the honorable mention. We've Indeed. discussed our favorite episode of the year, plus the honorable mention. We are now, if I'm understanding this correctly, we are now in the segment... <laughs> where we are discussing our wild card of the year. It could be a non-whiskey. It could be a whiskey that took us, you know, that just came out of left field, right? There, there are definitely some unusual whiskeys out there being produced that are remarkable. Um, so a wild card isn't necessarily non-whiskey. Um, but here we are. We're at the wild card. And because I've been allowing you to go first, Jason, I am going to keep this streak, and I will allow you to go first yet again. What is your wild card oh, thank of the you. year? And feel free to tease it out or let, or let me guess. I'll, I'll let you do you, Jason. Well, I'm, I think the number one tease here is that you have a bottle of this. Wow, great. You like Grey Goose that much? I mean, it's a decent vodka, but... <laughs> well, you have Grey Goose, I think, is the follow-up on that one. <laughs> So, so there are, there are multiple categories mm. into which you and I are are extending ourselves, yep. and and this is a category that that I am I am now head over heels in love with, mm. in falling in love with this category, and in searching out the esoteric. There is a name mm-hmm. that our listeners need to know. And the name is Eric Rodriguez. Ah, uh, huh. okay. And Eric Rodriguez is considered the 
Indiana Jones of <laughs> Mezcal. And in terms of somebody putting in the time, putting in the miles, putting in the legwork and pulling out really special examples uh-huh. of Mezcal, there's a bottling of Salmiana that is remarkable, remarkable. And it exists under the Palalma label. Oh, and I was introduced shit. to this bottling yeah. by our friends Gabby and Chris Dion at the Mixing Glass in Orange County. And mm-hmm. they were introduced to us by our good friend Elijah Amamamamamamamamon. And they brought this bottling into their store. Now, what's really interesting is we deal with Skernick. We have good friends at Skernick mm-hmm. in New York City. And Skernick imported this bottling to the United States. And wow. yet I still bought it. And I bought two bottles out of California, one for me and one for you. And it was with Skernick in New York the entire time. And yeah. so this this is 50% alcohol. This is, as I mentioned, Salmiana Mezcal, uh, Salmiana Agave. And it's the um, the maestro mescalero is Patricio Hernandez Z, whatever the the Z stands for there. Thank you, Kai, who has just brought me lunch because we've been recording. I think at this point for three days. I don't think I've seen my family in three days. Why? Why is it your are... family is bringing you lunch? I've got nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Poor Joshua's got so nothing. hungry. Nothing at all. So hungry. So, and so, but here's but here's the thing, in tasting of our mezcals. Thank you, Kai. In tasting of our mezcals, I've I've always tasted them in our single cast nation spade ram glass, mm-hmm. and I sat in on a tasting hosted by Gabby, at the mixing glass. And the talk is that the traditional clay vessel mm-hmm. has a much wider mouth, a much wider opening, which allows you and I in tasting whiskey always talk about a, a bowl, right? How do you get a bowl? How do you hold the vapors? How do you mm. dip your nose? Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting in exploring mezcal. It's much more open than that. And so I have started pouring my mezcals into an espresso cup. And the reason that I haven't been drinking this during my reveal is I knew as soon as I brought an espresso cup to my <laughs> mouth, you would know exactly know what exactly. I was doing. Yeah, yeah. But in tasting this agave, in tasting this mezcal, discovered, found, unearthed, curated by Eric Rodriguez, drinking it from the espresso cup, it just unleashes this massive hit of menthol. And you and I, going back and forth on whiskeys, I've always been envious of those who discover menthol or eucalyptus yeah, you don't normally from whiskeys, yeah. and I don't normally get it. In this mezcal, I just get the massive hit of menthol, and as you sit with it, it almost becomes spearmint as well. I reach for this 
continually. Interesting. I absolutely passionately head over heels. And it was 130 bucks. It, it didn't come cheap. It more than delivers on that price tag. And if we're paying, you know, uh, mescaleros in Mexico living wages for their product, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm absolutely yep. okay with that. Yep. Yep. So long as Eric Rodriguez is passing it down the chain, I am okay paying 130 bucks for this. This is, it's remarkable. Do you get the jalapeno on the nose? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the jalapeno is huge. And it's it's one of those notes, right, where you say, you know, I remember early on tasting, nosing and tasting whiskey from Amrut, and I would get candied fennel seed. And then you mm-hmm. taste, you know, nose and taste whiskey from Japan, and then you get very Japanese kind of notes. And then you nose and taste mezcal from Mexico, and you get very Mexican kind of notes. And you think, right. is it just your brain being like... <laughs> oddly racist in a weird way. And no, the fact of the matter is, you know, once you mentioned it, I remembered the bottle that you got me. I'm holding on to it. And I said, I'm going to, I'm just going to nose this, this bottle and immediately jalapeno, immediately jalapeno. Well, it was, you just recently asked me this and I don't know if it was in a Zoom. I don't know if it was in a One Nation Under Whiskey. I don't even know if it was in an Extra Extra. I don't even know if it was recorded. But I do remember you saying to me, what started to turn the tide for you with Mezcal when I talked about it being, oh, actually, I think it might have been on the distillery deep dive that we did with Impex. It was, yes. uh, When you interviewed me. And the, the thing for me was that, and you quoted me perfectly, uh, in that interview, mezcal for me so often smelled like hangover and poor decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the day that I found fresh jalapeno skin mm. in a mezcal, mm-hmm. it was a game changer. And so that that freshness, that brightness, that crispness, that that greenery. Right? Mm. Really wonderful. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. And I'm going to, and I'm sorry to do this to you, Joshua, I'm going to throw my honorable mention in right here, right now. Do it. Because it makes perfect sense. When I was in that, it was a Re Campero tasting, hosted by Gabby and the Mixing Glass. Mm-hmm. I tasted their Mexicano, mm-hmm. which I know you love. Yes. Oh, yeah. It is one of my top three of agaves. Right, yep. right. It had a spiciness to mm. it that made me so happy. It, it went so far beyond just the jalapeno skin and really went for the spiciness of jalapeno that that Recampero Mexicano became my honorable mention of 2020. Beautiful. Wild card category. Absolutely beautiful. So first off, I love those entries. And... And I need to go back to to your wild card agave, to your mezcal, because, you know, obviously you can see I've got my bottle up here. I've probably, I've drunken maybe an inch past the shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I need to drink more because my recollection of this agave was was almost as if it was slightly unbalanced. There was this bright freshness on the nose and then a bit too much earth going on on the palate. Mm. 
But at the same time, right, anytime you, you're tasting something, how you're approaching it will affect what you're tasting, right? And so I think I may have just approached it in a different way. And like you had mentioned, and you're pointing to right now, you're drinking it out of an espresso cup. I always drink my spirits out of a Glencairn or something that's Glencairn in shape. And I think that mm-hmm. this spirit simply requires a different vessel to be to be enjoyed out of. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, and, and and to be clear, I think if you popped it in a Glencairn, if you popped it in a Spade Ram, if you popped it into something else, you'd enjoy it just yeah. fine. Yeah. To me, popping it into something that opens up the the mouth of the drinking vessel, I think, and then it's even the entry point as it goes into your mouth. You've got a wider entry point in your mouth, mm. and I think it just it expands some of the flavors yeah. in there. And yep. if you're talking about this kind of level of imbalance, add more flavors to it. See if you find the balance in it. I, I think there's a whole world to be explored in that Palalma Salmiana Agave selection. Can we talk about a wider entry point in your mouth just a bit a bit longer? Moving on. Okay. So my wild card, uh, and I mentioned this before, I don't have a bottle of it. I have a bottle of the of the honorable mention, but I don't have a bottle of the actual wild card. All I had were a couple of samples, and I quickly drank through them. And and I'll, I'll be very honest here. When you and I first started discussing our 2020 year in review episode, and, and generally what we do in our year in review episode... I had forgotten just that, generally what we do. And so I had it in my head that I needed to pick my top three whiskeys of the year. Mm. And what was so surprising to me is for the first time ever, a rum made it into my top three whiskeys of the year. This was a spirit that was so remarkable, it it outshone all the other whiskeys I had, barring the one kill home and that I that I mentioned before, the, the eight eight year old Madeira finished. And just for the record, I knew I knew you were gonna pick this as your wild card. Uh, of yes, the year. yes. And in full disclosure, full disclosure I work for Impex Beverages, who are the importer of, of this particular brand, of this particular product. And working for them or not, I, I just I fell in love with this. And, and therefore, it became my, my number one wild card. And, and if we had done this event in the way that I thought it was, where it was top three whiskeys, this non-whiskey would make my number two whiskey. That's how incredible this spirit was. And so the big reveal for me is the Black Tot 50th Anniversary Rum. This is a rum for rum drinkers, for whiskey drinkers, simply for people who enjoy fine spirits. It is a remarkable spirit that is so incredibly expressive on the nose, on the palate, and on the finish but more so balanced uh, from nose to palate to finish. And I think, too, really highlights what can be so special about rum. You know, when when we think about 
our business, Jason, and our business is primarily single casks, we can say this distillery produced this single cask that was remarkable. Where quite often when it comes to rum, to make a remarkable rum, you're relying on rums from a multitude of distilleries, a multitude of countries, different distillation styles, different base styles, whether it's molasses or cane sugar, or, you know, or what have you. It's, it's a much more involved, or can be a much more involved process. And what Elixir distillers have done with Black Top 50th Anniversary is fucking monumental. This is a remarkable spirit that, you know, I asked you, I asked you before, how would you feel if all of a sudden you didn't have access to unpeated whiskeys anymore, anymore? And you would say, well, geez, you know, I, I just mentioned this whiskey and that whiskey, and those were my favorites. And no, I, I would miss it. And I, I would go so far as to say, I, I'm trying to make a statement here without, without, I don't want to lie here and I don't want to be controversial. Oh boy. But what I would say is that if this weren't in the world, if access to this weren't a thing, then we'd be a lesser world. I, I think I think that we didn't even know a whole had existed until this rum came about. It's fucking remarkable and so pleasing and I think eye-opening to those who who think rum is the stuff you mix with Coke or that rum yeah. is yeah. that overly sugared product that's it was just so sweet it's not for me or they love it because it's so sweet no 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 this is real rum that will give you the sweetness that you're looking for they'll give you the spiciness the earthiness it just ticks every freaking box i have every box i i agree with you wholeheartedly and i would make the same statement about my mezcal selection. Mm. My whiskey life is richer for having this mezcal in it. Oh, I love it. Right? I love it. Yep, 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 yep. Perfect, <laughs> and, perfect. And, and I've, I've been leading tasting after tasting after tasting where I've opened my tasting with the black tot, the, the standard black tot, 46.2% mm. yep, alcohol. Finest Caribbean, yep, standard one. Yep. And, and saying to people... This is a rum for whiskey drinkers. And then I've been saying to people, don't finish your pour of it before we go off into exploring the other whiskeys. And mm -hmm. we move off into an Oishi or a Fukano, and then we move into a Milk and Honey or a Pinderan, and then we move into a single cask nation, single cask, and then we close on a Kilhoman. Uh, oftentimes Sineg, sometimes a Macrobay. But I, I keep saying to people, keep that rum in your glass mm. and keep returning to it as we go through this tasting. And as I said earlier in the podcast, point counterpoint. Yeah. Yep. Keep bouncing back and forth. When you say, could you live without unpeated whiskey? No, I couldn't. Do I love un do I love peated? Yes, I do. Mm. But this 
minty mezcal opens my eyes to what's happening in my single malts, in my peated single malt scotchies. Mm. It adds to the category that, that, that we love first and foremost. But boy, is rum doing some wonderful things. Is mezcal doing some wonderful things. Armagnacs and cognacs and sherries. It's a big alcohol world out there. Mm. And and you and I are dipping our toe in multiple places. And we know our listeners are dipping their toes in multiple places. And I think we're all enriched by dipping our toes in multiple places. Yep. Yep. So, my runner-up. <laughs> no, honorable mention. Oh, yeah, the honorable mention is is also a mezcal. And, and I'll be very honest with you in that it was f- until last night neck and neck with with another with another thing and i had a i had a lustau uh lustau oloroso that was going to be my my honorable mention wild card (laughs) (laughs) i love the fact your honorable mentions have honorable mentions Right. This is the world we live in, Jason. Um, but I'm, I'm about. We love so many things, Joshua. So many things. All so the many things. things. Uh, but I'm about. Uh, I'm about to pour my honorable oh. mention, and I'm a little nervous here, Jason. Be- well, you you should be more nervous if Jason doesn't have a bottle of your other honorable mention. You have a sample of it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and in fact, I've seen you pour, you have a 200 milliliter sample of it. Okay. So similar to your mezcal being, uh-huh. being the wild card, I have a mezcal as a runner up and I'm, I'm a bit nervous in that, in that I think that I got it in 2020 I think it was bottled in two thousand late two thousand nineteen, but but finally available in twenty twenty. I think I got this in January, um, okay. and that is La Medita. Mm-hmm. So it is a mezcal from La Medita, mm-hmm. which is a brand mm-hmm. owned by uh, owned by I think they're owned by Skernick. At the very least, they're imported by Skernick, and this mm-hmm. is the Arroqueño, one of my three favorite. Agaves, and you should have Araqueño, Jason, do you see all this land that the sun shines upon? This is this is all your agave. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so I'll be very honest in saying the Lamedita Araqueño, and and I looked at the label, right? It. The harvest was 2018. The bottling was in 2019. But I, but I do feel as if this was released in 2020, in January of 2020. Um, but this particular bottling of Araqueño was my first experience with Araqueño. And I have since picked up a few bottles from other producers of the Araqueño Um uh, mezcal or, or mezcal from the Araqueño agave. What's your strength on that bottling from which you're pouring? F- I, and I love 
how exact this is. Okay. Uh-huh. 47.54% alcohol. Damn it. So, so I've got the 200 mil bottle that I picked up. And it's harvest is 2019, distillation ah. is 2019, year of bottling is 2019, and my strength is 46.29. Okay, so mine is the 2018 harvest with the 2019 bottling. So there you go. So one of the things... Yeah, you, you yeah. raved to me about yeah. this. You're, you're the reason that I picked up, and I, I actually got a range of 200 mil bottles from Roma, uh, in New York City, our, our good friend Anthony Levinson is in charge of spirit buying there. And um, and I picked these up from him because you you wax lyrical about La Medida as a brand, yeah. as a trustworthy, you know, wonderful selections, wonderful distillate. And the Arrogeno. I get hobnobs. As soon as I stick my nose in here, I get hobnobs. So b- before we go on with tasting notes, uh, because I think this really is a respect thing, and, and I'm not sure if a lot of our listeners know this, but if you look at mezcal bottles, um, they should, most of them will, all of them should uh, honor the mezcalero, the maestro, the maestro mezcalero, what, whoever she or he happens to be. Because this mm-hmm. is this is the person who's in charge of producing the spirit that you're putting into your glass, and so for this La Medita, it is Antonio Cortez Aragon, and and the Araqueño that that he's that he's done here is remarkable. Let me give you. Um, if I can interject, yeah, please do. We're we're talking Araqueño, some. Of our listeners may know it as Americana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really and good point. Yeah, because I've had some Americanas and forgot that they're basic. They're the same. Just what? Which one has the Mexican name, and which one has the even more Mexican name? <laughs> uh, but but let me let me tell you why this is why this is uh, the honorable mention. I compare this particular bottling, and, and typically Araqueño or Americana in general, that, that agave, to the weeded bourbons of the world. There's this bright, high sweetness that comes through with this agave that you don't normally find in others, right? Take, take, take the mezcal that you had just mentioned before, and what did I say? Mm-hmm. Did you get the jalapeno? That is an earthy note. Mm-hmm. And then when I taste it, it's all earthy and it's heavy. And, you know, it's that style. What was the style of agave again from yours? Mine was salmiana. Salmiana, right? That has a different flavor profile than Araqueño does. Just like if you think of bourbon producers, they're switching up their mash bill. This producer's got a bit more corn. This producer's got a bit more malt. This producer's got a bit more wheat. And it affects your overall flavor profile. And those that enjoy weeded bourbons like it for a particular reason. It's lighter. It's sweeter. Sometimes softer. But it's unmistakable. And that's what I think about the Araqueño. It's lighter. It's brighter. It's sweeter. And it's 
unmistakable. And I agree with everything you say. But I also. <laughs> oh, no, also, no, 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 not a but, but no, also, no. okay. No, no, I've, I, I've learned from our friends in the improvisation community. Um, I, I only say and these days. And on the nose, I get a certain cheesy funkiness mm-hmm. in the background. And on the palate, I get a certain tobacco quality 100% happening yep 100% and so I'm with you on everything about it being bright and it was funny because as I was making my comparison with the Salmiana I'm thinking oh this is just as bright as as my own selection and there's a cheesy funkiness and there's a tobacco quality it's it's fascinating and I, and I will say this in in 2020, I read Emma Jansen on Mezcal. And then the recommendation that I always make is Tom Bullock's mm, book mm-hmm. on Mezcal mm-hmm. as well. Emma Jansen's book is simply called Mezcal. And Tom Bullock's book is the Mezcal experience. Yes. But I, I, I recommend both of those. But, but reading Emma Jansen in 2020 was, was a real treat. I think she did a great job with her book. Yeah, part of me wonders, those notes that you're talking about, and part of me wonders if that's coming from the fermentation because if you if you look at the back of the label, and this is one of the things that I love about Mescal labels, they'll quite often talk about the agave, the age of the agave, how the agave was was crushed or chopped or, or mm-hmm. what have you, mm-hmm. the fermentation, uh, how it was distilled, and and so on. They really they give. A whiskey lover, all of the geeky information that a whiskey lover would want, just in the form of 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 a mezcal label and how the mezcal was produced. But if you look at the fermentation, at least with mine, the fermentation was in wooden casks, right? Yep, same here. Right, and so and so you know, we know we understand how important fermentation is in Scotch whiskey, and it can play such a part. In the overall flavor profile, imagine what that does in a mezcal where you're not aging it. Where exactly. right? And so fermentation likely plays a much larger, a much more important role in the overall flavor profile of, of the mezcal. So well and yeast is simply atmospheric yeast. Yes. Yep. It's not yep. additional yeast yep. like we have in Scotland. And you know, for us in the 70s into the 80s in Scotland, making a move from brewer's yeast to distiller's yeast, here you've simply got open vessel fermentation yeah. uh, and the flavors that that will bring in. You actually had me reaching for my Paloma here to look up the same information. Mm-hmm. And uh, here it says fermentation, 30% pulque and wild yeast. And so there's that pulque. You're, it's almost like your sour mash in bourbon. Oh, right. You, you bring in a you bring in a little drop uh, or more of what previously fermented, like your 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 sourdough starter mm, and your bread, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as we've all explored in twenty twenty. Um, and here, yeah, you have your pulque delivering some of that established fermentation, but then you have the wild yeast that you pull from the air. Fascinating category. Absolutely, I am. So head over heels in love with mezcal. It's ridiculous. Right. What's what's um, not to love? Yep. One hundred percent. But but as you rightly point out, rum has really captured 
my and our attention uh, in the last year and we'll do more of it going forward. Um, spending time with Cognac and Armagnac producers and Sherry producers and we're going to do much more of that going forward. It's wonderful, wonderful having a listenership and, and having those who purchase our bottles and follow our palettes and, and dig our palettes, bringing new things to them and being able to say Scotch whiskey is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful category. And, because I've learned that in 2020, and there's so much more. And we're exploring mm. the so much more and our listeners and our consumers and our nation members and our fans and our followers are buying. They're buying what we're putting out. It's remarkable. I, yeah. I'm so incredibly lucky. You and I are so incredibly lucky that we have people following and, and, and really paying attention to our curated selections. It's magnificent. So I'm going to ask you, because we've come, we've come here with, with a few goals in mind, and, and we've accomplished said goals. I am going to ask you to pour a final pour of, of 2020, a final pour together of, of 2020, and then I've got a, a closing question for you. I've already selected okay. my pour, and so I'll ask okay. you to select your pour. <laughs> this got real uncomfortable real fast. <laughs> I love that you just spring this on me. Uh, here, Jason, do this thing right now. All right, all right. I'm going to need another glass because I've, I've only got a peated glass there. I'm going to pull a fresh glass, also from Travis Williams. What it is, what we do, that we, we do. do. And, then, and then I'm going to try and keep this out of camera. Are you ready for my question? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me start with this. As everybody knows, everybody, whether whether you're listening to this podcast or not, whether you're just going about your day, you don't even have to even know what whiskey is, but you know one thing. This is something every person has in common, whether you're living in the U.S., whether you're living in the Netherlands or South Africa or Israel or Scotland or Uruguay, you name it. We all agree. 2020 was a fucking shit show. 100%. Is a terrible no argument here? Terrible year. Yep. Being the eternal optimist that I am, I'm glad you're finally wearing that title. Yes. I have to think that there is some silver lining that has come from 2020 that should be noticeable. Or notable. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you have a 2020 silver lining observation that you'd like to share with our listeners. You have asked me this question at the right time. Hmm. Okay. I'm glad you did not ask me this question 
before December 20? Because I would have struggled with an answer. I hosted a Zoom tasting on December 20 for 24 it was it was 25 guys mm. of whom I did not know 24 of them. <laughs> it was it was put together by Andrew Miller, the champagne of Oh, yes, people. of course, the champagne of people. Yes. And as we ended the tasting, one of the people in attendance said the thing that I'm about to say to you. He said, 2020 has been a year and I didn't realize how much I needed this tasting until now. Hmm. The tasting. And I think you and I built Single Cask Nation on the back of community and the idea of community and how it brings a community and nation of whiskey drinkers mm. together. And over the course of 2020, with social distancing and backdoor drinking and, you know, no hugs, which I know you cherish dearly, um, as do I, but not to the same extent, there's a lot missing in 2020. And online, whether they be Zoom, whether they be Microsoft Teams, whether they be FaceTime, whether they be Google Hangouts, community has existed online. Mm -hmm. And, and in listening to podcasts, I have felt part of different communities. And I really think that coming out of 2020, community has been a word of the year. And I'm okay taking that as a silver lining for the shit show that has been 2020. We have sought out our communities in 2020. Yeah. And we have healed ourselves as part of these communities in 2020. Mm. And, and, and I think that's a good thing. A very, very good thing. Yep. Cannot disagree, cannot refute any of that. And, and I had, to be very honest with you, I had, I had two, <laughs> just like with our whiskeys, I, I had something that, that came to the fore and something that was an honorable mention or a runner-up. And so for me, what 2020 has done it's highlighted how important connection is because I'm missing it so much. I, you're, you're, you were very right in saying I'm missing hugs. I, I am a hugger. I am a tactile person. I need to be touching people who want to be touched and be near people and share a hug and share a drink and be arm in arm with people. And that's always been a thing, but... I feel as if I've almost taken that for granted. How how special that that simple yeah. that, that very simple 
um, physical connection is to to people and and it's just highlighted the fact that I shouldn't take that for granted that it, that it is a very special thing that I'll, that I'll be looking forward to should it happen again in 2021 or 2022 or or what have you and that, and that's what I was going to throw in here I think in 2021 or if it ends up being 2022 I think even Anthony Wills will be receptive of a Joshua Hatton hug. Well, he's always accepted my hugs. Reluctantly. I think at this point... Correct. Yes. I think he will seek it out yes, he will in 2021 slash 2022. And if he doesn't, he's wrong. And I'll tell that to his face. <laughs> um, but but here, here's the other thing. And this is, this is a very, very, very personal thing for me. So when, when you and I started this company, when we came together in, in 2010 and had the idea for the company, and then in 2011 established the company, and then in 2012 started bottling and releasing whiskey, right? An unfortunate thing for me that, that fell by the wayside was playing music. And I simply didn't have any connection to it any anymore. And what COVID has allowed me, it's been free nights to connect with my old bandmates and start playing music again. And, yep. you know, I, I love you and I love our business and I love my wife and I love my kids and I love, I love my life in general. But it wasn't until I started playing with them again that I realized that there was a massive hole, a massive hole and, and a creative outlet that I had been missing. And, and now I'm starting to play with them again. And I can't even begin to tell you the elation where your brain just shuts off and muscle memory kicks in to play a song that you've written, arranged, and laughed along with. And, and it's just amazing. And and for as awful as COVID has been, and it's been awful, and it's conti- it will continue to be awful, and it will unfortunately like, likely continue to take friends from us, that is, that is such a highlight for me. It is such a silver lining for me. And I think in in reciprocating that love of which you speak a moment ago, who has been one of your number one cheerleaders in you getting back into your music? I'm, I'm pointing at him right now. <laughs> yes, you are. I have made, it's a joke with a small J. I, I've made a joke for, for far too many years <laughs> that your hobby is work and that has has worried me for a decade Mm. and to see you return to music as your hobby has elated me and and I have absolutely cheered you on every step of the way that you have walk away from the inbox walk away from the laptop walk away from your office Go and make music with people you enjoy and you cherish and you love. Mm-hmm. Go do that. And I, 
I couldn't be happier that you've done that in 2020. And so I, I cheers you on that. And I say, continue to make your music and continue to be in that realm and fucking buy your new guitars and do your thing. You know, your thing has been music. My thing has been reading. And, and I have returned to reading, you know, whole cloth in, in 2020. Mm. I, I'm going to miss a book a week by a hair. But damn, if I haven't tried to get through a book a week. And that's what I do. When I step away from email, when I step away from the laptop and the screen and step outside the office, I throw myself into reading. And and that has been a, a wonderful escape in 2020. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm glad you've had yours. I'm glad I've had mine. I will also say, as you talk about community and connection, and I talk about community and connection, knowing that we have our listeners, knowing that we have our nation members, knowing that we have bottles spread across the globe, knowing that we want to get to Australia and New Zealand uh, and points farther afield. And it's not just you and me and Jess. Mm. When we started this company, when we started these pad costs, Mm -hmm. and I knew it was a good idea and I knew it was something to commit to, but I was so wooden and I was so cognizant of the microphone and so cognizant of the recording. Mm -hmm. All of those things are gone. Mm -hmm. When I sit here talking to you, I think about our listeners sitting right beside us. I think about our friends in New Zealand and our friends in Australia and our friends in in the United Kingdom and our friends in Sweden and our friends in America and Canada and our friends in Japan and our friends in the Philippines. We have global friends to whom we speak weekly. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as we only hear them over email and Facebook Messenger and Instagram uh, message or whatever the fuck they call it these days, um, or or they send things into the PO box, whatever it happens to be, I feel 100% connected and I absolutely love it. And it makes me feel incredibly lucky in this existence of ours. And I thank them for their for their friendship and for their support and for using their currency to buy our bottles. It's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And I cheers them with this mm-hmm. dram, which is our Glenfarclas nine-year-old SCN uh, online bottle. Uh, I'm so glad that you went with Glenfarclas because what I went with was the Glenfarclas that Zvi Wiesel had sent. He sent you a sample. He sent me a sample. We mentioned it earlier on in the podcast. And this one, so interesting that you talk about this particular Glenn Farkless as being focused on the Dunnage Warehouse. Mm. And and this is one of the things that I that I appreciate about you, about you and me, is that sometimes our, our palates will veer from one another. This for me, sure the Dunnage Warehouse is there, there's no doubt about it. You can't escape it. But I'm focused more on the fruit and what surprises me about this. And, and once I say it, you'll, you'll say, oh, wow, that is surprising. 
is that this Glenn Farkless is, to my palate, so plum forward that I shouldn't love it because I don't like a plumminess in my whiskey at all. But mm-hmm. it's so well done. It's so fruity yet earthy yet yet a little bit of spice going on. What have we learned this podcast, Joshua? Just because it's Madeira doesn't mean you should dismiss it. <laughs> Just because it's port finished doesn't mean you should dismiss it. Just because it has a plumminess doesn't mean you should dismiss it. Always accept the whiskies and and the beyonds on their own merits. And accept them or reject them on their own merits, not as they exist within a wider context. The same is true of people. So I say this to you in closing, Jason. This is year four. I mean, granted, the season isn't over yet, but but we're nearing it's it. It's not over. It's not over yet. It's not over. But this is this is year four, you and me. And if 2020 has taught me anything, it's taught me to not take anything for granted. And so I want you to know I, I don't take any part of our friendship, of our business relationship, uh, for granted at all. I don't take our listenership for granted at all or our customers and dare I say friends um, we're not that big a company where we still don't know a lot of the people that buy from us thankfully I think we're getting close but we still know mm-hmm. a lot of the names and I, and I don't take any of them for granted and, and my, go- my goal for 2021 because I don't I don't assume it to be a better year than 2020 I simply don't but my goal for 2021 is to remain as humble and as thankful as possible for anybody and everybody who's helped you and I to get through the rough times as we've helped, hopefully helped them to get through their own rough times. Uh, I, just, I just remain thankful and, and feeling uh, hashtag blessed, as it, as it were, Jason. Uh, for you, yeah. for our listeners, for our customers, uh, for our wives, for our kids. I mean, it's it's a tough life out there. and We have it far better than so many others. But we shouldn't take the little things for granted that make our lives special, that make our lives potentially easier than, than other people's lives. Those things need to be recognized and acknowledged and thanked. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Shit. Yeah, the... the, the what did you click? The thing for... Shit, that didn't work. Fuck, that didn't work. Oh, there you go. You just have to not hold the glass. There you go. There you you go. found it. Yeah. Now, don't smash the glass. Yeah, the, the thing that, that my wife and I have tried to convey to our kids in 2020, and we've been doing it for a decade now, but with even more focus in 2020, is when we look around, how do we lift up others Mm. where we are able? Mm -hmm. How do we do that? And and even though we're a whiskey company and a spirits company and in the grand scheme of things, what a silly, silly thing to be. (laughs) You and I look around and we say, how do we lift up others where we are able? Mm -hmm. 
And that's that's what we put our minds to. And that's what we do. And and as we are lifting up others, others are lifting up us. And we thank them for for that, for noticing us and for assisting us. And I lift my glass to that sentiment. <laughs> uh, Jason, it, it, it has been a an interesting and unusual, a difficult, sometimes satisfying, sometimes pleasing, sometimes fucking heartbreaking year. Uh, but it's been yet another year with you, and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for our listeners. And I'm excited for what 2021 has to bring us. And hopefully, you know, yep, always. my hope was, because we've been hinting at people for so long about these other projects we're working on, my hope was that we would have been able to have a bit of a gender reveal uh, for, for our projects in what we had hoped would be 2021, but we're not there yet. My hope is that in 2021 we will be, especially seeing as bottles are being ordered and labels are being approved and blah, 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 that we will be able to uh, share that in 2021. Until then, all I can do is share my thanks to you and share my thanks to our our listeners and customers and, and so on. Love to you. Love to your family. Love to our listeners. Love to our supporters. Here's the 2021, brother. Cheers. Cheers. Chin chin. Two chins. Two clits. Click clit. clit. <laughs>